When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, gang? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. we got a big one today as we move on from the end of the streaks after the Jets lost 4-1 to the Bruins last night and get ready for two games against the Toronto Maple Leafs before the Jets get on to their well-earned player break. And Connor and Connor, along with Bones, head to the All-Star game the following week. Um, Obviously, we're going to dive into last night's loss in Boston and then start looking ahead to tomorrow's first of the home-and-home between the Winnipeg Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And to do that, we're going to welcome in Carlo Koliakovo, First up on TSN, looking forward to having Carlo on. Mike McIntyre is going to jump on the program as well for the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. A look back at the streaks that was and now focus on these up to coming games. We're also going to dive into a little bit of the Seabears offseason. The schedule just announced today. Home opener on May 24th. Looking forward to welcoming in Coach Mike Taylor. Talk a little bit about the Seabears offseason and uh, what he's doing behind the scenes getting ready for year two, as well as his thoughts on uh, knowing that he's got a schedule to look forward to and start planning a season around. Um, so lots of good stuff coming up. We'll hit the cool bet lines later on today. Nine games in the National Hockey League tonight. So plenty of hockey watching out there for you with the Jets being on the road and then all eyes on Toronto for the Winnipeg Jets. All eyes on Toronto today. For the uh, the skate, we'll get you the latest on Mark Shifley from Toronto today as he's ready to go. But uh, just before we bring in Michael Remus and sort of dive into it all, big thanks to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Modern Man Barbershop, the Winnipeg Jets, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, and, of course, the gang out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Michael Remus, what's going on? Have you gotten over the disappointment of the empty netter that ended the Jets' three goals or less streak? No, this is going to sit with me for a while, Hus. Can't believe <laughs> they would jeopardize it. Let's pour one out for the streaks, Hus. There was two there that ended last night. 34 games at three or fewer. One short of uh, tying Minnesota for the modern-day record. Could have had a banner. For that one, that was Scott Billick's idea on Kenny and Rennie that to get a banner for that. Could have had Ray one. Raise a banner? Ray could have raised a banner. And 15 games at two or less, all ending last night. And I don't know, after they put up nine against Montreal, it's kind of the opposite where you know, when Boston came in here, you know, the Jets were catching Boston at a vulnerable time, and it seemed like Boston's catching the Jets at a vulnerable time. You're missing Shifley, you're missing Velarde. They needed Hellbuck to be superhuman. To be honest, I was expecting a lot more shots against from Boston. Uh, the Jets did a really nice job limiting 
the number of chances, but you know, the puck bounces around, it gets scrambly in front, and you know, gets you know, you leave guys wide open in front of the net, uh, they're gonna score. So it was it was fun to debate if they should have kept Hellbuck in in a two goal game <laughs> to preserve the streak. But part of having a streak where you have 34 games with three or less goals is you're playing well. Uh, you're winning games. You're not, you know, you're in close games all the time. You're taking extra time. And like the Jets record, you know, they lost, you know, convincingly yesterday. And last 18 games, 14, 2 and 2. I mean, that's really, really impressive, Huss. And they're still in a great position. But to lose the streak on an empty netter, I mean, I'm just picturing like the gif of the guy in The Undertaker when he lost the WrestleMania streak to Brock Lesnar. I mean, this is up there with all-time streaks coming to an end. Losing on an empty netter, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't sit right with me, but I mean, you got they, hey, they did they would. It's on them. It's on them. They and like re, I, I like to joke. Like I tweeted, I've made jokes like in the Kenny and Rennie chat. The streak is greater than winning. Like more important than winning. Like obviously, do what you can to get to get the two points. You you put stuff on Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter, and. People don't know if you're serious or joking. Yes, there's no and sarcasm I like to, font. There's no, I, there's sarcasm, no sarcasm font. And I and like yes. to toe that line and people don't get it. So that's fine. <laughs> and I'll just um, let them not get yeah, it. Yeah, listen, it's disappointing that that streak ended. And, I mean, listen, I think some fans are like, whatever. Um, you know, it's about winning hockey games. And if you're down 3-1 to a good team like that, you got a couple minutes left, you pull the goalie and try and score a couple. And, Listen, I had absolutely no issue with what they did. I was surprised. Like, there were some fans, you know, that were getting at me that were actually were bent. That's like, what the heck are they doing pulling the goaltender? I mean, <laughs> you've got to keep the streak going. I mean, as Royal Sports just said, streaks don't print banners. Um, much sure they like do. You, you just can't said. raise a banner for being first overall for a week in January in 2024. Oh, they should. Um, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta celebrate the wins. Like, we wouldn't even raise a banner on WST for that. I don't think the team's doing that. But um, listen, as far as the game goes, the Boston Bruins were the better team last night. I don't think there was much of a, much of a doubt about that. And, and to be honest, Reem, I mean... Listen, we knew the team was up against it without Mark Shifley. Then to find out in warm-up that Gabriel Velarde also wasn't going to be playing. Um, you know, they they weren't at their best for sure, and they didn't play their best as well. The one thing I'm sure you were excited about, though, and it had been a long time coming, for the first time in forever, Bones pulled out the industrial blender. Mm-hmm. It was blender time last night. All of the lines getting shaken up at uh, on 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 a couple of different occasions. All four lines being changed with you know players moving in and around. Um, but listen, the Bruins were the better team. You knew that they would come in in an ornery mood. And I'll tell you what. I mean, as much as the Jets didn't have their top game and and were not that dangerous in and around Jeremy Swayman, um, they still got some pucks on net. They held the Bruins to a very reasonable number of shots against in 21. And Hellebuck still made some big saves. But to me, I mean, the game really turned. Like, like throughout the third period, that was a very tight, close game. You know, and unfortunately, that series of events that turned into Jake DeBrusque's unassisted, technically shorthanded goal. I mean, that was, 
not really a shorthanded goal. The guy had been out of the box for all of half a second when the puck went in. Um, but that was the end of the dream of the three goals a game um, because you knew at that point probably the team was going to be pushing for some offense and uh, potentially making it through. I was more disappointed with the 22 straight with two goals or less, which was very much looking like it could be uh, it could be continued. Um, but it didn't happen, and they move on from it. Takeaways, though, for the game in the first couple of periods, especially the second period, I thought the Boston Bruins really really ramped it up and uh you know the Jets just weren't as crisp as they normally were they weren't passing to the places that they normally do yeah listen they just didn't have their a game last night and when you're undermanned against a hungry Boston team that remembers how you embarrassed them just a few weeks ago here in Winnipeg I can't say the result was that surprising yeah I think you thought going in Hellebuck would need to be superhuman for them to win there's just you know, you kind of felt it the last couple of games. They're missing Shafley, Velarde, you know, game time decision doesn't go. You're in a, you're in a tough spot. And you know, they certainly battled and gave themselves a shot in the third period. But, you know, we can talk about this again. The power play going 0 for 3 and you give up a shorthanded goal. I mean, credit to the penalty kill, though. It goes 3 for 3. But the power play has been a talking point all season. And, you know, it needs to bail them out one time or another. Now that, you know, now that the streak is over, uh, we can talk about, you know, we can focus on the real issues, uh, the power play, which, you know, which we learned yesterday, well, not yesterday, but, you know, is worse than the San Jose Sharks power play. And it's amazing how a team at the top of the league can have a power play that is so poor that a team at the bottom uh, is better than them. So they're in. So we'll see what happens with this power play going forward. They're going to need it, I think, in these next two games and and the you know going forward towards the playoffs. But it's been a concern all year, and here it is, twenty third in the league at sixteen point three percent. And you know, just for the record, the Sharks and the Ducks, uh, you know, rebuilding teams ahead of them at seventeen point four, eighteen, eighteen point five. So slightly better. Big win for the Sharks last night at the expense of the Los Angeles Kings. Mm. We'll get to. We'll get to a little bit of fallout from that game in a minute. Hey, shout out to everybody in chat. I see our guy, Ezzy, is here from Illegal Curve. What up, Ez? And Ezzy has said he has pledged his allegiance to the Chiefs going for the Super Bowl with no sarcasm. Good for you, Ezzy. You are definitely welcome in the kingdom. But this is one This is one comment that stands out that I, I have to say I agree with. Jets number one, without 55, it's so obvious what the Jets need. Chevy, go get us another center. And I know we've had a lot of talks about, you know, what the Jets should be looking to add at the trade deadline. Um, I don't think anyone that was on a fortification of the top six and another center that could come in and play with those top players was not uh, buoyed by what they saw last night, at least their argument was, because it is quite clear, Remus, that this is just an absolutely different team um, and their offensive potential goes down significantly when 55 isn't in the lineup. Yeah, uh, I'm 100%. A lot tougher. And they did switch up the lines to ended with what? Nino, Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, Connor, Nemesnikov, Ehlers, Toninato, Perfetti. I follow Baron, Kupari, and Axel. And yeah, you see, you know, Mark Shavely, he's a bona fide number one. And, you know, for a team where you ask who the n- number two center is, it puts Ken Weeb into an 18-minute pretzel before the season. I don't like has that number two center uh, question really been answered? He could he I, could drop another point, 18 minutes, no problem on that topic right now. 
Yeah, I he he hundred percent could. So many of us uh, could. So you know you see the you know the question coming up for the trailer. What do the Jets need? I think pretty clear with Shifley what they do need uh, some help out forward. But I would say if Morsi's out, you'd say oh they need a defenseman as well. So you talk about MVPs for this team. You know you can go Hellbuck, Shifley, Morsi. Uh, pick pick your order on those three, but those guys aren't really replaceable at their position within the within the lineup. No, no doubt. Um, and, and listen, I thought Josh had a, a, it wasn't like he had a bad game. It was sort of a rough game for uh, he and Dylan DeMello. I mean, DeMello got whacked by Pasternak on that first play where he ended up putting in front of the net. I mean, credit to DeMello. He said that he's got to be better and not have that happen despite getting whacked the way that he did. But man, was that second period, those two shifts, the never-ending shifts for Morrissey and DeMello. I mean, one was, I think, about two minutes, 20 seconds, and then they went right back out for the next one and were in their own end for the better part of two minutes and 45 seconds. I cannot remember the last time a jet unit got kept out there for that long. And again, you got to give credit to Boston. They were a hungry team. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. As of today, I believe they're number one in the National Hockey League or right there with Vancouver. So, um, you know, they uh, they they basically took advantage of uh, some of the weaknesses in the Winnipeg Jets lineup and really took it to them at times. Um, but again, the, the it, it was crazy. As much as Boston controlled the play and controlled the puck, they weren't getting a ton of shots on Connor Hellebuck. And, you know, I thought the guys that were out there kind of hung in there um, the overall performance of the club, I know people use the term effort. It wasn't a great effort. I mean, I think the guys that were playing were given a ton of effort. You 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 can't hang with the Boston Bruins for 60 minutes uh, without, but they just weren't on as much as they needed to be. And there was a number of times, a perfect example is on those shifts where I know guys are tired, but you have the opportunity to clear the zone to get it out, and it didn't happen. And Boston was relentless in um, you know maintaining the pressure on Winnipeg, especially in that second period. But credit to the Jets, they came out and were much better, had far more of an answer in the third period, um, and made that a game, a game that potentially could have gotten out of hand in the first forty, the way Boston was bringing it at times. Yeah, Boston got on the board, you know, right away, and the Jets answered back. Nemestikov tipping in a Demello shot, and you know the shots in the first period pretty even, six five again low. I mean, low number of shots and goals. I thought we were going to see some kind of offensive uh, explosion here. I mean, the shots finished 21-21. And you mentioned that second period, Boston outshooting the Jets 10-4. And here are those shift times. Josh Morrissey in the second period, um, midway through, 2 minutes, 43 seconds, ended with a penalty, and then goes right back for a next one, 2 minutes, 59 seconds. Uh, he had another shift of a minute, 46. Uh, ending with a goal against. So, I mean, you know, there's relying on those guys so much. And uh, when you're, I, mean, I don't blame, you know, so you almost didn't blame him for taking that penalty uh, in that, in the game. So, well, you just know, I mean, when that happens, it, it's going to probably end one of two ways, either a puck over the glass penalty mm-hmm. <laughs> or some other penalty, just because you're so tired and you're hanging on for dear life. And that is exactly what happened uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, but- DeMello, yeah. Um, you know, let's hear what Bones had to say about the game. I mean, uh, I think that, you know, he liked the way that the team came back in that third period and really pressed the issue and got some more action on Jeremy Swayman. 
Um, and I know, listen, Bones isn't making excuses. Um, they just weren't at their best. Here's what Bones had to say about last night's 4-1 loss in Boston. What did Boston do well defensively against you? Uh, I thought it was more us, to be honest. I, I didn't like how we... That's probably the worst game we've had in a long time and with our breakouts. We were slow moving it when uh, the passes were soft. So that allows Boston to play their game. And so I think if we had moved the puck quicker and harder, then we wouldn't have, you wouldn't be asking me that question. So I put more on us, on us than I do Boston. But give them credit. Like they played hard. They didn't get a whole lot of room either. So um, it was a tough game. It was a grinded out game. But we only the best period we put in was the third. And you would hope you get that second goal. We didn't get it. Yeah, they talked a lot about how cohesive and you connected you were in the game in Winnipeg that was lacking a little bit in the first two periods is that what you said? I, I thought so and I, again it started with our breakout side we were slow getting back we were slow moving and then when we got it we were soft with the passes so that, that just let them let them put a little more pressure. we had some unnecessary time in our zone because of turnovers so um, give them credit um, yeah we'll, we move on alright so there's Bones and you know Reem I mean, for the standard of 23-24 season, that's uh, that's about as close to Bones ripping the team as we've seen. Now, he's been in front of microphones after 30 wins so far this year. Um, but I have to admit, I sort of agree with his assessment. I mean, you knew Boston would be coming, and Boston was good. But a lot of the issues were somewhat self-inflicted and just the Jets not doing things that they've traditionally consistently done very well move the puck quickly out of their own zone. And part of that was on them. I do give maybe a little more credit to Boston with the way they were forechecking and in the right spots. Um, but when you have a hard time even getting out of your own zone, uh, that could lead to a long night against a team like the Bruins. Yeah, Bruins are a good team. And, you know, it's fundamentals, tape-to-tape passing, being able to get out of your own end. And, I mean, was pretty subdued compared to some of the stuff from last year. But it did sound like a bit of a... Uh, rip job uh, there from Rick Bonus on the team, but I think the this... standard is so different from last year. Like I don't know whether if we do a best of bones at the end of this calendar year, that that but that is I mean again, he's been so pleased with what his team's brought mm-hmm. in night in night out. Um, there, there's he has not been disgusted. There's been nothing like we saw last year, and that's because of the way. Uh, that the team uh, that, that the team's played and continue to do that. All that being said, they're going to need to be a heck of a lot better if they want to get two points in Toronto tomorrow night. Yeah, Toronto's coming up, and you know they can score. They also give up a lot of goals. They're expecting some high uh, event games against them. Austin Matthews, the guy's an absolute machine. Like, could we be seeing a seventy goal season if he manages to stay healthy? The guy's got thirty eight goals in forty four games. So. I'm looking for really looking forward to these next two games because, uh, you know, it's against Toronto and, you know, how the sky would be falling if the Jets were to sweep too. And Toronto's had an interesting stretch here where, you know, they're in a playoff spot, but you look at the way they're winning and not by the, much right. And, the, you know, they're not winning in regulation. You go down the list and only 19 wins in regulation. Uh, it's, you know, bottom third of the league. And this is a team that's had high expectations, and they've kind of taken a step back from where they were last year. It's only 15 regulation wins, actually. Oh, I'm um, at overtime wins. Sorry, this this I shorted by the wrong thing. You're right, 15. Yeah, no. I mean, Sorry, I knew got, that seemed high. They've got 20. Uh, they've got 23 wins overall, four in OT and four in shootouts. 
Um, I mean, the Ottawa Senators are last in the Atlantic Division, and they have 14 regulation wins. Um, so listen, credit to the Leafs for finding points. They're a deadly team when you get to the extra frame. Um, but, well, as I said, we'll get into the Leafs in a minute with Carlo Koliakovo and Mike McIntyre when he joins us. I, I mentioned the industrial blender came out. All sorts of line blending. Uh, and the power play, obviously missing Mark Shifley and Gabriel Velarde. Here's what Bones had to say about uh, all the upheaval with his former units last night. Clearly, we weren't generating anything, so uh, we had to change something. Uh, we, yeah, the third period, we created more, a lot more chance, we put a lot more pucks at the net, so we got what we wanted. We just didn't get that second goal. Uh, power play again, bit of a concern. Or? You know, one thing with the power play, you got to keep in mind is we have never had a chance to work Mark, Casey, and, and, and Gabe together. We haven't. One of them's been hurt the whole time. Uh, the second unit hasn't been the problem. But in, in fairness to those guys, yeah, can we do a better job? Yes, there's no question. Uh, I think we, you know me, I, I still think we can shoot the puck a lot more. But I, I think when we get finally get a chance to put Mark, Gabe, and Casey on the same unit with Nick, then you're going to, I think, It'll turn around. The second unit's been pretty good. Um, we weren't we weren't good enough with it tonight. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's something we're just going to have to stay on top of. Well, I didn't definitely get some more production from the power play. Would have been a, a a big big boost last night in a game that was a one goal game right up till just over five minutes left in the game. I mean, Dylan Demello um, spoke after the game as well, and you know he was out there quite a bit. <clears throat> out there for the couple long, long shifts last night um, and also sort of, you know, started a play after getting whacked with a uh, unfortunate clear right in front of the Winnipeg Jets net that ended up going in. Here's what number two had to say about uh, last night's loss in Boston. That was a tight game. I mean, shots were about 22-20 or something like that. And um, Yeah, I mean, two two good teams going at it. I thought they did a really good job of staying above us, making it hard on us. They knocked a ton of pucks down. Um, you know, pucks out of midair, pucks on the forecheck. We were, uh, you know, we weren't as clean as I think we'd like to be all over the ice. Um, and I think there was a lot of time spent in our D zone because of it, uh, especially the first two periods. I thought the third period, we, we got skiing a little bit more. We were a little more assertive. Um, we were, you know, getting the puck out and, and making um, some, some smarter plays. And, and some stronger plays, and then you know we had some good looks there in the third. Unfortunately, couldn't get one. But uh, you know, I thought Boston played a really strong game tonight, and um, yeah, they did. They did a really good job getting the win. You know, uh, Del Mello makes a great point, and and a lot of those things that he credited Boston with doing have been things that the Jets have been so good with this year. I mean, the 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 level of play when it comes with the sticks for Winnipeg this season, as opposed to years past, um, has taken a huge, huge jump. An improvement and a big part of that. I mean, Velarde's got a great stick. Ayafalo has a phenomenal stick as far as just disrupting, but it was the Boston Bruins did a lot of the disrupting. And the other thing they did was end the streak, which I know was a bummer for a lot of fans. Uh, Demello spoke about the uh, the streak being broken last night on that empty netter. Uh, empty netter. So is there an asterisk on? I don't know. You know, we'll we'll see. We'll talk about it, but. Um... Yeah, I mean, you know what, it was, it was a great streak. Um, you know, it's time to get 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 it going again. So, um, you know, we got a lot to learn from uh, from a game like this going forward. So we, you know, get some rest and uh, another big game in Toronto. All right. So uh, there is Dylan Demello. Um, you know, we'll do a regular why not question of the day, 
but I'll put this out to folks. And just before I say anything on it, what, uh, why not question of the day for not auto corporate waiver and McGilvery. What did everybody think of the panel on Sportsnet last night? Um, Rima, I know you had some takes on the broadcast overall, including Gary Galley, for some reason, saying that Ehlers was uh, <laughs> basically got a freebie call and was exaggerating. I, 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 Ehlers has been justifiably criticized of that in the past. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was the case last night. Yeah, you know, whenever there's a Sportsnet game, I think people... They don't like the, uh, the you know the unfamiliarity. I mean, you get so used to Dan and Kevin and uh, Dennis and, and Shane or whoever joined him, uh, Kevin, as well. And you know, going into a sports game, this is a team that doesn't really follow the Jets as closely because it's a national uh, broadcast. And you know, it's not in Canada. You expect them to have some. I don't want to say favoritism, but you know, when you hear something like you know a player on the Jets deserves to get slashed in the face or you know, uh, Hampus Lindholm takes a what I thought was a clear cross-checking penalty against Ehlers, shoving him in the back towards the boards, which to me is an unsafe play. And, you know, Gary Galley's like, yeah, that's that shouldn't be a penalty. It just seemed strange to me. Um, I, I don't know, it just seemed strange, strange to me. And, you know, get used to it because you're going to be seeing the intermission. You told that to me before the show. You're going to be seeing intermission the next two games, Jets-Toronto. They are not going to mention oh. the Jets <laughs> once. If the Jets are leading, it's not going to be, what are the Jets doing well? It's going to be, oh, what's Toronto doing poorly? So, like, they're going to, you're not, Kyle Connor could score a hat trick and they'll mention, you know, the Leafs goalie, how crappy he is or <laughs> how poor their defense is and not what a great player Kyle Connor is. So, you know what, just get used to it um, the next two days. And I have had messages from people who put on uh, Edmonds broadcast over but it's um oh hey you can't you can't go wrong with having paul edmonds uh uh do uh, mm-hmm. do the games if you can sync it up like I, I i will say this i think enough people have noticed and paid attention to the jets they've had to over the last couple months yeah, that yeah. i'm not i'm not expecting what you just said um but if anyone thinks that the jets are going to be the focal point of the broadcast um <laughs> You might well, want to skip that one because that that will not be that will not ever be the case when uh, the Jets are playing in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. I mean, this is what happened in the playoffs when they played the Oilers. Like they just showed highlights of McDavid uh, for 15 minute intermission and didn't even mention the opponent once. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, it's just the way it is. It's like the Raptors getting the afternoon playoff time slot in basketball playoffs, or Houston getting the three o'clock Saturday time. I mean. When the when Ottawa, you know, plays Toronto, the Sens fans, I see the same comments from them. That's just kind of the way it is, but it doesn't mean you can't sit here and be be frustrated when you have to watch the game. Like you're so used to such a great broadcast that TSN puts together and it's a bit of a, a bit of a change and it's pretty noticeable, I think, by everyone. Some great, some great comments. I knew I knew that that would fire people up for the why not question of the day. Key says, quote, I'm not calling it a flop, proceeds to instantly call it a flop in different words. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, plenty of frustration with that group. I will say the panel was absolutely bizarre. I mean, that was bizarre world in between periods last night. And listen, I love Anson Carter. I think he did a pretty good job. Luke Gadzik is is not bad i mean he kind of has his spot and he has some interesting interesting takes justin williams and i guess they're just like to me my my read of the situation 
was that they're bringing in Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, you know, obviously got had a great career, very well-respected guy, and seeing if he works in this situation, giving him a few reps. So for the for the six-hour shift with no Leafs, they brought in a guy like that to give him an opportunity. Dude, he was all over the place. And I have a feeling that the... Like the producers were in his ear at times, like giving him tips, how to say things, because they would ask him a question and it was clear like he wasn't listening at all to what the question was asked and then would talk about something entirely different. It was quite bizarre. He basically dismissed the Canucks later on in between periods of the Vancouver game uh, and didn't make many fans out on the West Coast right now. So... It was uh, it was definitely definitely bizarre last night on the broadcast, and the Jets won. No one would probably be talking about it, but I did see quite a bit of discourse, and it was sort of funny to uh, funny to mention at least, especially guys like that that probably have not seen the Jets at all, and in their undermanned state in a game like that, um, certainly didn't come across too impressed. I'm a big Justin Williams guy, Mister Game Seven, awesome. As a player, but I guess, you know, they have had a lot of turnover with the panel. They're, they are trying with some new guys, you know, Luke Gazdick, who, when I think of his name, I think of Dustin Bufflin uh, running him over. Uh, I mean, he's trying to, you know, these guys are trying to get into the broadcast business. So, um, there's, you know, the panel has come up a lot here when the Jets have their national games. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again, uh, you know, when they play the Leafs for two. So, uh, there was a lot of commentary. On social media, especially when, you know, they say what Dylan DeMello embellished that slash when, you know, maybe he did a little like he's walking around like this, like he's trying to get a call. But I think he was pretty clearly hurt by it before the goal uh, by Marchand. Yeah, well, I mean, it happened. The next thing you know, the puck is being put out in front of the uh, in front of the net. And I think that might have added to the call that happened shortly thereafterwards because I think the refs noticed that they probably missed one. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're more likely to get a makeup call when it ends up in the back of your net, which is exactly what happened last night. Um, just quickly, because we're going to talk about this with Carlo Koliakovo coming up, and then Mike McIntyre is going to jump on with us. Uh, the Kings did lose last night again, this time to the San Jose Sharks in extra time. And Remo, more and more, we're hearing the trials and tribulations of PLD being noticed by national media. I had to chuckle a little bit when I saw this tweet from John Bucci-Gross. Well, first of all, it was a quote tweet of Russell Morgan who asked Todd McClellan, King's head coach, on what he's seeing from PL Dubois without the puck. The quote was, at the end of the day, whether PL gets four minutes or get 24 minutes, he has to be a difference maker. And with or without the puck, we've gone through this long enough. It's time. Patience is wearing out on PLD from the head coach. And then Bucci Gross from ESPN coming over the top with a quote tweet says, Dubois has been a big di- di- disappointment in LA. Not a big surprise, really. Um, Dubois feeling it in the local market, but now also taking some shots from uh, people uh, far, far away from sunny California. You look at the way that he's played this year, you know, a lot of uh, Kings fans I see, you know, you and I are searching Dubois on Twitter, trying to get some insight on this. They're saying he's now putting in an effort. 
He's not skating hard. And there's Tom McCullen saying he has to be a difference maker, pulling in if he gets four minutes or 24. I mean, he's played he played a bit on the top line with Kopitar and Kempe. He's played on the fourth line. And you look at the numbers there, 19 points in 44 games. Uh, you know, he does have his, what, 30 penalty minutes. You know, he's known to take a penalty or two. And it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when he first came to Winnipeg. Uh, saying you're like, is he injured? Like, what's going on here? Does he just take extra time to adjust uh, to a situation. Um, you know, he had the excuse of sitting at home for two weeks eating Italian food, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, as, you know, I think today is actually the anniversary of the Dubois-Line trade, but it's fascinating what's going on, how well it's worked out for the Jets, how well Velarde, Ifal, and Kupari have fit in here, and, you know, Dubois gets this long retirement contract that he's looking forward to and hasn't really held up his part of the bargain in terms of being a difference maker. Uh, speaking of that search for PLD, like the fourth thing that came up is a tweet just from the last 15 minutes from presumably a fan. who just said, just in case anyone was, was curious what a PLD buyout looks like. <laughs> this isn't terrible with the exception of years four to six. Can you imagine the fact that people are bringing up what a buyout would look like of an eight-year contract 45 games into it um listen it is somewhat of a of a sideshow for us to to look at from afar uh but he's far too good of a player to be mired in this and i know we made jokes well oh, he can just go there and be himself well being himself right now isn't working for the los angeles kings he's a team worst minus 13 and i don't want to spend too much time on plus minus but there's only like a couple other guys that are even minus one or minus two and then there's pld uh, 19 points in 44 games, only two points on the power play. He's been on there all year long and uh, seeing the ice time di- diminishing. Um, hard for us in Winnipeg not to pay attention to what's happening there. First of all, because a big-time team in the Western Conference is going into the tank right now and a former Winnipeg Jet that spent so much time trying to get out of here is uh, not seemingly fitting in well, or at least right from the get-go with this new team that gave up so much for him and invested so much for him for that long-term contract. Yeah, the Kings 2-4-4 four, and four in their last 10, while everyone ahead of them is surging. Vancouver's 8-1-1, one, and one, Edmonton 10-0-0, oh, oh, Vegas. Uh, they've been battling injuries, uh, and they got ripped by their coach, uh, Bruce Cassidy, yesterday in their overtime loss to New Jersey. But the Kings are certainly slipping, and this is a guy they traded a lot for. And don't forget Montreal's second-round pick they traded as well. And he's not producing, and questions are starting to be asked. And we also have a really soft spot. Like, we care about uh, PL, us, because he brought us so many views during the last two years. He did a lot. I don't think we would get to 10K subs that weren't for PL. So, you know what? We want to see him have success uh, while also being true to himself. So, uh, wishing him all the best. Hopefully, he can get it turned around. But that's going to be up to him to decide if he wants to do that. Well, and, and, and you know, it's funny. I mean, I could have done another why not question of the day for not all on the Line A Dubois trade, um, which you're right. This was today in 2021. That deal went down. And uh, just seeing someone put this out. I mean, now with, the, with Dubois going to L.A. and what the Jets got in return, it was a little rocky there in between. We don't know the unfortunate turn that Line A's career has taken with Columbus, but pretty clear that the Jets have come out big time in the long run from that trade. And now when you add in 
the Los Angeles Kings. I'm not sure who's worse off right now, the uh, Blue Jackets or the Kings when it came to the <laughs> trade. But certainly, certainly Chevy and the Winnipeg Jets pretty happy about what they've uh, what they've got. Now, um, as we mentioned, Jets are heading in. It's all systems go for the Leafs. Um, Rio, just before we get to Carlo, let's uh, quickly get this update on Shifley from Mitchell Clinton today. Sounds like Shifley, it was very optional skate today for the Winnipeg Jets, but Mark Shifley was out there on the ice in a regular jersey. I really do think that he's going to do everything he can to play in this game tomorrow, and maybe that was why they were cautious for the last couple days. I talked to Ken, and I know Ken had put out that he expects that we won't see Shifley until after the player break, but I have a feeling him skating today is probably a push by a player that really wants to play in front of hometown friends and family with a lot of bright lights on the guys tomorrow night in downtown Toronto. Yeah, you, we saw in that video a couple years ago, Huss, how excited the Jets were to beat the Leafs. Uh, and Mark Shifley, as you said, home, home, what? I said, of course, yes, I was just remembering. Remember that one? Stand, yeah. Remember that one? I mean, it was awesome. Like You got fired up. You like it's two games on national TV, so I and on every Leafs reporter that I follow is going to be tweeting about the Jets for like the first time uh, all season. Although they have actually started to notice them, you know, back in December. But here's a tweet from Ken, as you mentioned, lately attended optional skate here in Toronto. Shafley and Velarde both in regular jerseys. Important to note, it's not a full practice, but we'll see what Bonus says. And Bonus says Shafley remains day to day despite being out of the non-contact jersey. Gabriel Velarde looks like he was moving better. Bonus, we'll see how he feels tomorrow. Lauren Brossois will start in goal versus the Maple Leafs, which Ken indicated in his uh, column in the Free Press or post-game report article. I don't, I don't know the terms. And then Mitchell Clinton, I enjoyed. He's like, okay, so they're both day-to-day, so let's do it again tomorrow. So tune in what, to yeah. Twitter, or sorry, X, same formerly time, known same as Twitter. Place. Same time to see the updates on what happened. So uh, nothing is, is clear at this point. No doubt about it. All right. Well, hey, listen, let's get to um, um, Carlo Kuliakovo. Mike McIntyre is going to join us a little later on. We'll talk about the decision to go with Brassois in game one of the back-to-backs against the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, and much more. Um, but, hey, uh, keep your eyes peeled for information here on Winnipeg Sports Talk about the upcoming Winnipeg Whiskey Festival and a special event we're going to be involved in at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Looking forward to that. Of course, Canadian Club, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival and Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. Available for you right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All the favorites, the original CC, the 100% rye, the CC Classic 12-year-old, and still a few bottles left of the Canadian Club Invitation Series. Exclusive 15-year-old Sherry Cask, the signature 12-year-old finished with the secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. And pick it up at Manitoba Liquor Marts. And remember, always enjoy responsibly. Um, uh, I, I got a, a visit with my pal Cordell at Modern Man a little bit later on today. Time for some uh, a little bit of he- uh, helmet reduction, if you will. Um, guys, if you want to look good into the new year, there's a Modern Man near you. Eight locations in Winnipeg including the newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look via modernmanbarber.com or give them a follow on Instagram 
over at Modern Man Barbershops. And hey, big news coming up for our friends at Manitoba Battery next month. The leaders in batteries in Winnipeg are opening a second location on Dover Court in the south end of the city. So we'll fill you in on grand opening specials and sales to kick off the uh, second location in Manitoba Battery. But right now, as people need batteries to make sure they get through this winter, shop local and get the best prices in town. As um, one of our uh, emailers yesterday told us, they popped by Manitoba Battery, check prices out, Canadian Tire, Amazon, beating the pants off the big box stores with the best prices in town. And better yet, they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. Um, for uh, free, so hey, listen, for all your battery needs right now, they're at 1026 Logan Avenue. Order online, manitobabattery.com. Give them a phone call, 204-783-8787. And uh, hey, don't forget, there still are, I believe, a few tickets available. If you can find one to get in the building for Saturday night, going to be a crazy atmosphere. We can't wait to see all the WS tiers before the game. And in Section 316, for Jets, Leafs, um, we can definitely tell you that uh, some more great games coming on the other end of the player break, including that Saturday night game against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, Valentine's Day against the San Jose Sharks, and the much-awaited rematch between the Winnipeg Jets and Minnesota Wild on February 20th. And don't forget... Still great opportunities to get back into season tickets or a ticket package right now and secure your playoff tickets for the upcoming spring. It's all at winnipegjets.com slash tickets. And go to the website for more information on season tickets and getting in touch with someone to do that as well. All right, Mike McIntyre is coming up in a bit. But first off, let's welcome in, as we get ready for Jets Leafs, Carlo Koliakovo from TSN's First Up. Carlo, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on the program. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Good to be back. Um, well, listen, I don't mean to go there right off the bat because I know we're going to be spending quite a bit of time talking about the uh, Jets and the Leafs, but uh, I know you are a hardcore card-carrying member of the Bills Mafia. How uh, how are you a couple days later? What's what's the takeaway from the heartbreak at uh, in Orchard Park on Sunday? Yeah, it hurts. It definitely hurts. It's another year and another painful feeling uh, with the painful outcome. Um I don't think it hurts as much as when, you know, we lost with 13 seconds left after having the lead and uh, getting a chance to beat KC. But, you know, it was just a lot of reflection. It was, um, you know, very frustrating, you know, following this team this year because of the expectation put on the group. But, you know, you go back to the first game of the season where actually even go back to last year when they lost to Cincinnati, there was a lot that came to the forefront after that game about the flaws of this team. You saw the dysfunction between Allen and Diggs and some of the stuff that carried into the offseason. And, you know, first game of the season, a lot of those questions that you had started to, you know, resurface. And, you know, they lose a game that they should have won against the, the Jets on the opening night, Monday night, with nowhere in Rodgers. And that kind of, like, set the tone for the season of what this team was going to be and, you know, what type of struggles they were going to go through. Uh, they get the six and six and, you know, they play better football. They finish um, incredibly and, and, you know, battle tested and go through a lot of adversity to win the division. They just thought when they got to that point, it would be such a, like an uplifting feeling that nothing could get in this team way. But, you know, they, they played a good game against Pittsburgh, but not a dominant game against Pittsburgh. And yeah, maybe weather played a factor with the elements, but 
going into KC, a lot of people had pegged them that this is their year. They got the, you know, they, they got the advantage now. It's a home game. They shouldn't lose this. It's two games that they've lost. They got a learning, learn their lesson of how to beat Mahomes. And, you know, you watch the game and I, and I thought it was a really good game for three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, you saw the things that hurt this team all year. It was the self-inflicted mistakes. I mean, fourth and five, when you run Damar Hamlet with your fake, a guy that's played 12 snaps all season to get you five yards. Then you get a lucky break because they turned the ball over in the end zone. Your first possession after that is three and oh. And then, you know, you get seven minutes left on the clock. You get the, the ball back. You, 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 you create a long drive to get in scoring position in field goal range. But then when they come out of the TV, they come out of the, the two minute warning timeout, it's second and nine and they throw two balls to the end zone. Like why not try to get the first down and extend the, extend the drive and, try to win that game and started just, you know, playing safe. And I guess in summary, what I'm getting at is the Buffalo Bills were the best team all season at beating themselves. And they beat themselves again in a pivotal game where it was supposed to be their time. You know, I, uh, you know, as a kid growing up here in Winnipeg during the Gretzky era, being in the division of the Oilers and knowing that no matter how great the team was here in the peg, we had to go through Gretzky. It, it, it does feel like this Bills team and this era of Bills football probably deserves a bit better of a fate. Unfortunately, uh, Mahomes is that transcendent player that just seems to seems to yeah, but, you know, do what he does. I, I look at it like Burrow found a way to beat him, right? Tom Brady found a way to beat him. Lamar Jackson could potentially find a way to beat him. Like how many? How much longer are we going to continue to make excuses here for the Bills? And Josh Allen, Josh Allen played great. I don't think there's much more he could have done, but when he was asked to to make a bigger play in a big moment, he just wasn't capable of doing it. And that's just been, you know, the same thing with Sean McDermott. I have my own feelings of Sean McDermott. I've heard amazing things about the person that he is, and I won't take that away from him. But year after year, when you have to count on him to make a big decision in a big game, he continues to fail making that. And it's just... You start to wonder, is this the guy? Hey, he came in and changed the culture, but it, can he come in and actually get you over the hump and get you to win a big game? And, you know, I, 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 there's been a lot of comparisons to Dwayne Casey here in Toronto where, again, he came into Toronto, he changed the culture, he built this team up to be a great team, but they could never get over that playoff hump. They bring in somebody new and they get over it. So is that what the Bills need? Look, they need a lot more. They're, they're in cap hell next year. They, they have a lot of big roster decisions to make, and it's curious to see if that window that they had right now to be as competitive as they are is closing. No, it is a, uh, it, it's fascinating. And, uh, I mean, listen, you just you feel, even as a Chiefs guy, you feel for the fans because that city uh, sure. su- supports their team so well, yeah. uh, and they do deserve a better fate in a lot of cases. Uh, Carlo Koliakov is with us. Let's get to the main reason why we got together this week. A little home and home between the Winnipeg Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Jets had a number of streaks snapped last night in Boston. And we'll see as to how Mark Scheifele and Gabriel Velarde are feeling heading into the game on Wednesday night in T.O. But just before we talk about this matchup, Carlo, I mean, you're doing tons of NHL analyst work on TSN. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Winnipeg Jets, who are still right there near the top of the league as we get well into the second half of the season? Uh, you know what? My thoughts are are with um, raring results. I, I love this team. 
I, I, the last two months, what I've seen this team do and how I've seen them play, I've even done a couple of games. I am so impressed with the brand of hockey that they're playing because it's the brand of hockey you can see have success in the playoffs. I mean, they don't give you much offensively. They play a very, um, you know, detailed game. They play a very structured game. They very play a very patient game, and they wear on you. Um, you know, that third line of Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton is is hands down one of the most impressive bottom six lines in the league, and not just because of what they can do to you in a matchup defensively, but the offense that you can get from these guys too. And, you know, you, you look at some of the successes of the teams. Yes, teams have elite players. Teams have star players. But when those star players don't show up, are they getting enough from the rest of their roster? And I, I look at this Winnipeg Jets team, and I don't even I don't even need to say that about them because I wouldn't put any of their players in the elite category unless you're talking about Connor Hellebuck, but they have enough players around the top players in this lineup that you can count on to get the job done, not just offensively, but to get the job done defensively when you need a big play to be made. And I think because of that, you know, it's almost a contagious feeling that when you see everybody in the lineup playing the same way, it builds confidence and a confidence that the Winnipeg Jets have had over the last two months where they know they can beat anybody because they don't give the other team much. I mean, that record that was ended yesterday, you know how impressive that is? 35 straight games in an era of hockey where all we want to see is more offense, where they don't give up three or more goals. And I love DeMello, DeMello's comment after the game that should be an asterisk because of the empty netter. But that is so much to to stand on, you know, for a team like the Winnipeg Jets, knowing that, you know, they know they they probably won't compete with the best teams in the league offensively, but they make it hard on you to try to get anything against them. And there's a reason why, you know, they are as good as they are. Defensively, they're sound. They play a very simple, detailed game. They get great goaltending no matter who's in net. And to think this was supposed to be a year with so much unpredictability with this team, with you know, the potential of no Hellebuck, no Shifley, a Trey Dubois. People wonder where would this team go? Well, sometimes, you know, the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. And for the Winnipeg Jets, keeping Shifley, keeping Hellebuck, and then, you know, getting extreme value for for Dubois that helped round out the rest of this roster has has reaped benefits for this team. And I absolutely love them. I think you know, I've been saying it for over a month. Stop sleeping on the Jets because this team is for real. They can play with anybody. You know, you mentioned the uh, the, the streak of, uh, of three goals or less. I think maybe even more impressive, Carlo. And this is broken last night too. But 22 straight games of two goals or less, at, uh, or less in regulation. They gave up a third goal, a power play goal against the Habs in December. You had to go all the way back to November 30th before three went in the net in regulation. And even in that game, it was an empty netter. Uh, you know, from, from a player's standpoint, when you are a team that's obviously maybe greater than the sum of its parts, how would you describe the the momentum that a team gets on with their consistency and, and like a foundation of great five-on-five play, which is what the Jets have? Yeah. Because they certainly haven't been leaning on their special teams as much. I mean, that how, how hard is it to get to that point? But... 
how effective can that be against playing against teams that, you know, as you mentioned, might have some more high-end, super high-skilled players, but at the end of the day, it comes down to being a team game every night. Yeah, and look, in the NHL, it's clear that talent, you know, uh, oversee everything, right? And, but when you're talking about winning, um, it's the, the teams that, that buy into playing a team game because it is, you know, you talk about seven-game series. It's not always the teams with the best players that advance the furthest. It's always the teams that play like a team and understand the the differences between winning and losing can can you know can do for you and i think for winnipeg you know winning is the ultimate cure to all problems and when you're playing this this way that they're playing but you're getting the results it just it helps you feel more confident about yourself and i think that's what's helped this whole process with the winnipeg jets because i think the players on that team would probably admit too to start this season nobody really knew what type this season was going to be but because they kept finding ways to get wins, it just instills a belief in the team that maybe they didn't think they had, but now they know they can play with because they're getting the results. So winning winning is the ultimate cure to all your problems. Um, and in a league where there's so much parity too, I mean, you look at the, the Eastern Conference standings, the cluster of teams that could potentially be in a playoff spot, out of a playoff spot on a nightly basis, that just goes to show you know, how much more credit a team like Winnipeg should get because they've been able to sustain it consistently doing it with some big guys, big name players out of the lineup. I mean, you've missed Shifley for a couple of games. You've missed Carr for a couple of games. You know, as you've had, they've had some injuries on the back end. You know, guys have been in and out. That They've had a nice plug and play system where the next guy up has been able to, to fill a role uh, quite nicely. Yeah, and Bones talked about that yesterday. I mean, that you know, they really haven't had the had the extended injury to Velarde, and then which just sort of overlapped. I mean, played a couple games, and then Kyle Connor was out for a long time. Would like to see all those guys get back together, and we'll have fingers crossed that Shifley's able to play. It's always a big game for Ontario yeah. guys uh, to play in Toronto. Well, what about the Leafs? I mean, as we go into tonight's action, they are in a playoff spot. Uh, a shockingly low, low number of regulation wins, and it seems that you know with all the well, heck, a lot of people were firing Sheldon Keith last week. I mean, oh, what what is this team 45 games in right now, Carlo? And should people be bullish about the future or really concerned that this team hasn't been better so far this season? Well, I, I think they're slightly they're they're a slightly above average team. And anybody who who sees otherwise probably doesn't have a good understanding of this team. I, I, they're a team with very good players. They don't score a lot of their problems. But you can only get away with that for so long. I mean, for the early parts of the season, they had to deal with injuries in the back end, injuries in net. And luckily, it's been their top guys that have been able to carry the load and lead the way. I mean, on most nights, they need four or five goals to to win a hockey game. And that's why you're not seeing many regulation wins. And, you know, I, I was very confused about, you know, the the, the, con, the construction of the roster in the offseason because... You know, you lose guys like Justin Hall. You lose guys like Luke Shen that played important roles for this team. Hall in the regular season and and Luke Shen, especially in the playoffs. And you replace him with an offensive guy that is worse defensively in John Klingberg. That was your big addition on the blue line. And so they didn't really fill any holes. If anything, they created more. And 
to go into the season and believe that that type of defense would allow you to have the success that you envisioned with this group was probably a poor evaluation. And then they, they know that they recognize that they're trying to change it, but clearly they're not getting any help changing it because either the market hasn't been established of who's available or they just don't have the depth internally. Now, what you, they did find out about their group is guys like Simone Benoit, guys like Lagasin, um, and even guys like Cotter Timmins who have been getting extended playing time. They are good depth defensemen, but when you look at this defense, I look, I look at it and I see one really good defenseman. That's Morgan Riley. And that's sort of what's hurt this team in getting over the hump because their top six is as good as any top six in the league, if not one of the best top six in the league. They can score. They're dangerous. You know, they, they, they're, they're, they're a team that can, you know, come back in games. Um, you know, through two, three goal deficits. They even did it in a five goal deficit in one period against Columbus. Um, but, you know, the problem with this team, you know, compared to, you know, how much I praise the Jets is that they have holes. They 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 don't play a, 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 a committed team defensively game. Um, you know, they, they, their, their mistakes in, in, in holding leads, in protecting leads late in games, catch up to them because, you know, they're they're just not that talented on the back end. And, you know, they've had patchwork goaltender. And, and, you know, people talk in this market where they would be without Martin Jones, and that's a fair question because he's come in as a third guy um, and given them some unbelievable games and, and obviously given them a great chance to win those games. So um, that that's the problem with this team is they're so – uh, top heavy. Um, they don't have a well enough rounded roster. You know, guys like Bertuzzi and Domi uh, were supposed to come in and, and give bring something different to this group. And I think they have on a small sample size, but not enough on a bigger uh, scale. Um, so I think the fact that those guys haven't met the level of expectation or production has held this team back a bit. Uh, I think honestly, I think they're going to be a team that scrapes to get a playoff spot unless they make some significant upgrades under their back end. Well, and you know, it's easier said than done because they've got about seventy-five dollars of cap space right now, and <laughs> you know, it's money in, money out. And yeah. I, speaking of that, what uh, what's going on with Ryan Reeves? Yeah, I'm sure you guys have talked about this on the show over the last couple of days. I mean, on the weekend, he said, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm good to go." I mean, is this just a a power play to uh, force him to be uh, activated again. And uh, is there a spot for Reeves going forward in the lineup? I know they signed him to a three-year deal, but uh, it doesn't seem like they've been any rush to get the big guy back in. Yeah. You know, Andrew, it, only in Toronto do people love to spend a lot of time and energy on a player that's slotted in as the 12th forward on this team. Uh, I've never had a problem with the Reeves signing because you know what you're going to get with him. And there's a lot of people that, I've spent a lot of time and energy saying, oh, it was a terrible signing. You know, we didn't need him. Why'd you give him a three-year deal? Look, that was the cost of bringing in a guy like that. And you got to understand why you bring him in. He's going to bring an element that this team has has desperately needed uh, physically, um, you know, even just with the, the personality that he is. It's uplifting. Uh, nobody was complaining about that the first two weeks of the season when you saw the impact he was having being physical and fighting guys and, you know, obviously being a very vocal guy in the room. So they're, 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 those are the positives. I think 
what happened to Ryan Reeves was obviously an injury. Um, an injury happened with him that allowed this team to get used to life without him, and it's cost him his job. And it's unfortunate, uh, but that's the business of hockey. Um, he's got to just sit there and wait his time. I know it's, uh, believe me, I've been in that spot too. It's not an easy thing to accept. It's not an easy thing uh, to digest either. Um, but, you know, with his absence, they've had other guys step up and play um, uh, more significant roles or at least contribute in a more significant role that he was providing for this team where, you know, it allowed Sheldon Keefe to roll four lines evenly instead of when he was in the lineup, you know, Sheldon Keefe didn't trust him to be out there in certain minutes because of the stat that was a, that was around saying, oh, he's been on the ice for this many goals and stuff like that. Um, ultimately, I think that was more of the, a team problem than an individual problem. So I, I, I don't really know what the answer is for Ryan Reeves. I think, you know, my advice to him would just be, you know, to stay patient, keep being a good, good team guy. There's still a lot of hockey left to be played. He's probably going to get in another game or two. Um, but don't be a distraction, right? Don't be a guy that's ca- constantly, you know, sending, you know, quotes into the media that's going to create something that the coaches don't want to have a conversation about. And I'm not saying that he is that guy, but in this market, you know, those are things that can obviously be escalated. And um, that's something that he doesn't really need right now. He's, he's a guy that's been out of the lineup. Um, it's an unfortunate fate that he has to accept and until the coaches believe otherwise to get it back in. Um, right now, there's other guys that bring more of this team that he was bringing, and that's why the coaches decided to stick with this lineup. Carlo Koliako of uh, TSN and first stop with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for back-to-back games between the uh, Winnipeg Jets and Toronto Maple Leafs Wednesday night in TO, Saturday night back here in Winnipeg heading into the player break. Um, so, Carlo, I mean, when you look at these next two games, I mean, what intrigues you about these ma- this matchup, and uh, what do you sort of expect to see from both teams considering the nature of uh, you're only going to do it once? Well, twice in a season it's in the same week uh not to mention going into the player break and all-star festivities afterwards well i'll start from a leaf perspective i'm intrigued to watch a team that i think a lot of the leaf fans want the maple leafs to be right a four-line team good defensively have great goaltending that gives you a chance to win every night but not just that a team that plays a heavy brand of hockey they wear you down they get in your face. And, and you know, who's kidding? Ooh, look at the last time these two teams have played. You would think that there was a rivalry uh, between this group because of how spirited these these matchups ended up uh, being. So I, I don't expect there to be uh, that much of a change in these next two matches, especially when you're playing on a back-to-back. And maybe this is a, a game in a series where you do bring back Ryan Reeves just because of a, uh, of a, of a game you do expect to play against Winnipeg. But, um, you know... On the least perspective, they're coming off of a really long Western road trip, and I never really feel good when teams come back off of those games um, because it takes a little bit of an adjustment to get back and feel like yourself again. Um, and they're going to have – it's a good test for them, right? I mean, I know they played a really good defensive game um, in Seattle, and maybe that's something they want to build off of. And, um, you know, what, what Winnipeg really tests when they play you is they test your patience. Can you stick – to playing a patient game where you're, you're focusing on the simple plays. Cause if you don't, they can make you pay. They'll, they'll force you to turn the puck over. 
And, you know, they're very opportunistic. On Winnipeg's side, I think they're coming off one of their most lopsided losses um, in a long time. So you haven't been many. Yeah, you've probably got a pissed off group that's looking to rebound and it's looking at Toronto as, you know, a game that, that's going to get a lot of attention and they want to, you know, have a bounce back game. So um, I think it's a good test for both teams. And ultimately, all, what I hope to see is just a great hockey game. You know, we're going to see two of the best in uh, the National Hockey League. Of course, Connor Hellebuck when it comes to goaltending. Uh, but I just have to ask you about the season that Austin Matthews is having. You, you can't be, you can't lay the, any Leaf struggles on 34 right now. No. He is, um, I mean, every single night it seems like he's lighting the lamp. I mean, just how special of a campaign has this been, one been for Austin? And it's been extremely special. I honestly think people in, in Toronto here sometimes take that for granted because of how how critical they want to be between wins and losses. And the thing I just try to remind people is Toronto's lucky to have one of the best players, one of the, the best evolved goal scorers in the game in Austin Matthews play for their team and watch him play on a nightly basis because to see what he's able to do and the impact he can have on every game just by almost scoring every game, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. And then when you when you complement that with guys like Marner and Nylander and you know, Tavares has been on the struggle bus lately, points pointless in his last day game, something that we haven't really seen him do throughout his tenure here. Um, you know, you, you got to appreciate it. And I know it comes with criticism because it's a team that can't get the results at the most important time of the year. And yeah, maybe they change that a little bit next year. People are always looking forward to, uh, to April with this group. But, you know, you can't get to April without you know, being as good as they are in the regular season. And I think we take that for granted here a little bit. And, um, you know, and it'll be fun to watch him, you know, try to beat Connor Hallebuck, the guy that's been literally probably the leading candidate right now for the best of trophy winner because of the, the year that he's had. So, um, you know, I, I wish the NHL would find a way to get him on more national TV games, <laughs> you know, so the rest of the hockey world can watch him. But it's, it's clearly a treat. And, you know, the expectation that's put on him every year because of the pace that he scores at, you know, 50, 60 goals. I always thought it was an unfair one because it's hard to score 50 goals in a season. And when you're expected to do that before the, even the puck, the drops before the first game, it, it could put a lot of pressure on the guy, but this guy just doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to bother him. He, 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 he finds himself at the right place at the right time. And he, the, the, I think he's lucky enough to play with the players that he plays with that puts him in those spots. Well, I mean, he uh, seemingly put the team on his back last week in Calgary when uh, yeah. the world was crumbling around the Leafs and not. Anyways, things have settled down a little bit, but uh, I imagine it'll be a, a pretty great atmosphere in both buildings for these games on Wednesday and Saturday. Carlo, great to have you on the program. Can't wait for these games. Say hi to our pal AK and uh, keep up the great work in the in the early morning. Shout out to you guys for getting up every day. Wow. That's a that's a grind, that schedule. It is. It is. But we, we do our best. And, uh, you know, as long as we can continue to wake up and know that it's a job we do for fun, it keeps us going. So no, Well, we should have a lot of fun this week with these two games between the Jets and Maple Leafs. All the best, Carlo. Thanks again for popping by. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Good luck to your Jets. All right. Great stuff with Carlo. And we'll have much more on Jets Leafs over the course of the next three days. Here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, game one in Toronto tomorrow night and then Saturday back in the peg, Canada Life Centre, Jets final game before the player break and the all-star break 
coming up on Saturday night. Uh, in the meantime, the Bombers, of course, Jeff Hamilton broke this story yesterday in the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, the announcement is being made official as we speak. The Bombers announcing that um, their home field is now Princess Auto Stadium. Um, it was great having Jeff on to kind of drop that news just as it broke yesterday. Of course, Princess Auto, great sponsors of ours and so much in Winnipeg. This huge commitment to the Bombers, uh, the Jets, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Aaron Cockrell, who had that great performance um, in Dubai on the weekend. Aaron's going to join us next week on the program. I'm looking forward to that. But, of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Proudly Manitoban, proudly Winnipeg, and now a huge part of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers moving uh, forward. Um, we have to thank our friends at Wallace & Wallace for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. The fencing and overhead door specialists in town doing it locally since 1946. And while the fencing part of the business really ramps up as the snow melts, right now they're taking care of a lot of overhead garage doors in town. Because, of course, right now this part of winter is when your overhead garage door works the hardest. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is right now. Give Wallace and Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and Wallace. And um, I'm also going to be heading down to F Apparel very quickly. Um, you know, New Year, got to maybe add to the menswear selection kind of nice working from where we do it and not having a dress code on WST but there is times where you got to step it up fellas and if you're in that category you need to get down to F Apparel 190 Smith Street custom suits beginning at 400 bucks along with chinos golf pants custom shirts both tucked and untucked styles and an incredible selection of menswear accessories you won't find anywhere else if 2024 includes a wedding for you or you're in a wedding party make sure you get the gang to talk to Andrew, Alex, and their staff about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. Uh, find out more online or make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com, or pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street. Uh, all right, let's uh, welcome in our pal Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. And, uh, you know, big news for the Bombers, Mike. I mean, you know, it kind of just become second nature to refer to the homes, um, you know, as the uh, companies. But this Princess Auto is really neat. You know, a local business that started here that is now Canada-wide that still has their headquarters here. And from all accounts, I mean, the most significant corporate sponsorship in the history of the club. Um, good news for Wade Miller on the business side. Keeps on coming. Indeed, Huss. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking before we came on here, you, I think you used to call MTS Center, you called it like the phone booth. Um, you know, there's been lots of nicknames. I'm trying to think what might work. Given how much the Bombers have sort of owned the the teams that come in to play them in their own stadium, maybe something like the impound lot or, um, uh, you know, I'm sure we can do a lot better than that. I'm sure the fine listeners and viewers of Winnipeg Sports Talk will uh, will probably not take very long to come out come up with a great name. By the way, shout out to F Apparel. You know, Huss, you are the master of bringing deals together of of hustling. I wonder if you could use your connections with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
You know who could use the perfect shirt and maybe a, a clothing deal? Uh, I'm thinking of one Jason Kelsey, right? <laughs> what a scene that was <laughs> in Buffalo. And Amazing. I mean, I mean the... the uh, the, the the collaboration, the connection of my favorite team, the Chiefs, playing the biggest game of the year up until that point, divisional playoffs. First time Mahomes had ever been on the road. Taylor Swift in the box, <laughs> commanding all the attention of the entire world. Jason Kelsey stealing the show. And every time you looked over at those pictures, like, wait a second, is that Zach Caleros in the box? Lo and behold. Um, the connection came even closer to Winnipeg with Zach getting a uh, pretty prime seat that I'm sure was envied by millions of people, whether it was for the football game or for the company. Yeah, I mean, you've heard of, what, six degrees of Kevin Spacey and that that game, right, of how everyone's connected in some way. Maybe we need to call it six degrees of Zach Caleros because, uh, yeah, there he is. Um, right, He kept his shirt on. Uh, as uh, as Jason Kelsey was just pounding them back, I, I just love it. Like this is supposed to be a shot of Brittany uh, uh, Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift after the Kelsey touchdown, <laughs> and all we can look at is Zach Calero smiling in the background and just a casual shirtless Jason Kelsey crushing another unexpected twelve ouncer. That that photo right that is art. That should be hanging in in galleries across the land. There's so much to dissect. <laughs> Out of that picture, um, if you're Zach Calaris, I'd be getting that blown up and framed uh, and and hung in my uh, in my living room. But yeah, what a, what a scene! Um, great stuff. And you know, I, I wonder if Zach will uh, will be making the trip uh, to Baltimore, Hus, to, uh, to to watch the the, uh, the the championship game I'd this weekend. I'd love to know how it all came about because yeah. I believe Zach does live in and around Hamilton in the off-season, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah. that's where Southern Short Ontario. Trip. So, yeah, it wasn't too far. Um, <laughs> but, hey, after the fun that he had on the weekend, I'm sure he'd be down if, uh, <laughs> if that opportunity was available. What a that game that was. It was a great game. And if you're Zach Caleros and if you're the Bombers, you're probably planting a bug in Zach's ear saying, hey, Zach, next time you're kind of in that company, maybe let Taylor know that if she's if she's finding herself, you know, missing football, you know, during the NFL offseason, because clearly, huh, she's become a real big fan of the sport this year. If you want your fix, you don't have to wait until like September. There, there's some other football being played, uh, you know, between the end of the NFL season and the start of next NFL season. Maybe they could get her up to Winnipeg at the Princess Auto Park. Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, if yeah, if Princess Auto Stadium could have a fan Stadium. in Taylor Swift, I guarantee <laughs> you that would be big news. Hell, Travis Kelsey, too, for that matter. And again, sure. Bring them for all. people that are wondering, is Zach from KC? No, he's not. I mean, these guys were best friends and teammates at the University of Cincinnati. And there's a, a great story, is. a long read about Kelsey, that they interview a bunch of his buddies, and Zach Calaris is one of them, talking about uh, the house that they shared back as underclassmen at, uh, at Cincy with the Bobcats. And, um, do, the bombers, do the Bombers have a no-shirt, no-shoes policy? Like, uh, 
If they don't, I mean, Jason, they can welcome him with open arms. He doesn't even need to bring a shirt. And it's warm up here in the summer, right? Listen, uh, Tyson Ducharme and the rest of the 141 boys have been showing for a long time in the north Arms end off. of the stadium that you don't you don't need to have a shirt. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what you look like. Go for it. Um, <laughs> so he'll be there. I mean, it was, um, I mean, listen, that was an unbelievable weekend of football. And, I mean, uh, the, the finale, obviously, I'm still in a very good mood of it. Yes. Buffalo fans, not quite as much. Although, really, I mean, I think Wide everyone right. thought that maybe the Bills could be that story of the team that hasn't won finally getting over the hump. The Detroit Lions, Lions. are that team right now. And, you know, it was funny. I saw a picture on uh, on Instagram from, I believe, Connor Hellebuck's uh, better half saying that she was missing out. And it was a picture of a whole bunch of people out watching the games on the weekend, I guess, on the Jets off day. And Connor Hellebuck and Kyle Connor both supporting the silver and blue. <laughs> uh, those two guys, uh, in addition to wanting to take care of business against the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm sure very much looking forward to Sunday afternoon for their home state team, for really for the first time in their lifetime to be playing a game of this magnitude. Absolutely. I believe Connor Hellebuck, I know he's going to the All-Star game, but I believe he's actually heading to Disneyland, Disney World, one of the two, for a few days with his family immediately at the start of the player break. So he might be catching uh, Sunday's game hus, like maybe at the happiest place on earth. And I'm sure a Lions victory uh, would have Connor Hellebuck uh, pretty happy. A Jets victory on Saturday night, uh, which is going to be Connor Hellebuck's next start, because I don't know if you heard, Lauren Bressois is getting the call tomorrow night. Not entirely surprising. I know there'll be some people saying, why aren't they just riding Hellebuck? The Jets schedule is really lightened up here lately. I think, you know, again, two things. They're trying to manage Connor Hellebuck's schedule, and this is a guy who's not going to get the full the full break that all his teammates are getting because he is going to the All-Star game. No, it's not going to be a strenuous few days for him, but uh, he doesn't get the mental reset maybe the same degree that others get. But I think almost as important is the fact that Lauren Bressois has played really well, and the Jets want to be able to use both goaltenders. So, uh, Rick Bonus before the Jets hit the road last week, said that Lauren Bressois would get one of these games. I wondered if it might have been the game last night in Boston, uh, but Connor Hellebuck has a bit of a connection to that area, and I think playing in Boston, which they only do once a year, is fairly important to him. Um, so, you know, Lauren Bressois gets that start tomorrow, and Connor Hellebuck will, will get the big uh, game on Saturday night, where uh, I'm sure the downtown barn will be absolutely rocking uh, as it usually is when the Leafs come to town. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, and not surprising that LB is getting this start. We knew that they had said that he was going to be playing one of these games this weekend. I kind of thought that it might, or this week, I kind of thought it might have been the Ottawa or the Boston game. Yeah. Um, but, man, when Hellebuck played the way he played against uh, Ottawa, uh, I don't think it was the <laughs> tough decision to throw him out there again. And to be honest, this team's played very well in front of Brassois. I mean, you look at this last couple months, and, you know, we're mourning the end of the streak today, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> um, LB has had Hellebuckian numbers throughout that, and there's a lot of credit to him, but also the way the team played in front of it. Speaking of the end of the streak, just before <laughs> we kind of focus in on what's to come, uh, what were your takeaways from uh, last night's loss in Boston that ended that incredible run of defensive play by Winnipeg? Well, I'm with Dylan DeMello, and uh, as he said to Kenny uh, last night in, in Boston, is there an asterisk beside that? Because it was into an empty net. So if you're going by uh, games of three or less 
when a goaltender's been in the net, uh, you could make a technical argument that the streak is intact. Um, but at the end of the day, it's over. Um, I think, you know, it, it, it was a nice little story while it was gone going, and it actually extended probably a lot longer than anyone thought. I think for the Jets last night, Huss, like, you knew without Mark Shifley and now without Gabe Velarde, who wasn't able to go last night, that's two-thirds of your top line. The Jets were probably going to be in tough against, you know, the team that began the night as the number two team in the NHL in win percentage. And I suspect a team that was looking for some payback after the Jets throttled them just before Christmas in Winnipeg. So, you know, when Boston gets that early goal, you're like, oh boy, this is going to be a long night for the Jets. Dylan DeMello takes that shot. Vlad Nemesnikov tips it. And all of a sudden it's a game again. Uh, and I thought it remained a game, Huss, like right down to the wire. To the Jets' credit, uh, they actually carried a lot of the play in the third period. I know the the final score won't reflect it. It'll show that Boston scored the only two goals in the third. But it was a one-goal game, you know, and the Jets were about to go on the power play. Uh, I guess technically they did go on the power play because uh, Jake DeBrus goal does go down as a shorty. Uh, Nino Niederreiter really hadn't even got out of the bar, barely got out of the box into the play. Uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a circumstance where if that doesn't go in, the Jets, you know, their power play has not been good, but they had a chance to tie. Um, and so, you know, they, hang, they hung around despite obviously being shorthanded uh, against an elite hockey team. And, you know, I think for the Jets, um, they haven't tasted defeat very often, just their third regulation loss in 23 games, which is remarkable. And obviously back to work tomorrow night. It won't be easy. Um, you know, you kind of, you always know what you're going to get, I think, from the Boston Bruins. I don't know that you could say the same about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, they can look elite at times, but they can also look, you know, something very different. Um, but I'm sure they'll be fired up to face the Jets and they know where Winnipeg is in the standings. Um, you know, it should be a good game tomorrow and a little bit of optimism, I guess, uh, out of practice today as uh, Kenny on scene in Toronto reported both Shifley and Velarde in regular sweaters. Rick Bonus wouldn't commit to either of them potentially being in the lineup tomorrow. Kind of a wait and see, but I guess a, a good step um, in, in the direction of both players and the Jets no doubt would love to have those guys in the lineup. Well, and Mike, I mean, listen, if, the, if these last two games going into the break were against New Jersey or the Islanders or literally any other team, yeah. But the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think you'd probably – I don't know what's up with Villardi. He was in a game-time decision. But with Shifley, considering the lower body injury, who believed to be some sort of a groin tweak, I think that there would be zero chance that they'd play him. Correct. Um, you know <laughs> that he wants to be in that game tomorrow night. And Villardi, too, is, is an Ontario guy. He'll want to be in there as well. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say that – they're giving him the opportunity to potentially be a player for tomorrow night. You know, the doctors are going to have the final say on it, but if he's out there, if he's in the non-contact Jersey, if he's skating and he's seemingly ready to go, the more I think about it, especially after a loss last night against Boston, I think it might be tough to keep 55 off the ice. And uh, to be honest, that's very good because you really, really notice Mark Shifley's absence in this lineup when he's you not do. playing. Well, I mean, you know, at, at one point, I think they were shuffling the lines around. Yes, yeah, so like who would have thought that 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 
the number one team in the NHL. And that's what the Jets were prior to um, last night's loss in terms of win percentage. Boston's now overtaken them. But you look at what they had up the middle, right? I mean, who would have predicted Adam Lowry, Vlad Nemestikov, and Dominic Toninato would be your top three centers in that order? And that's that's what they were running. Rasmus Kapari is your fourth center. Um, you know, I think coming into this year, we, we weren't sure about the 2C position. Um, but obviously with Mark Scheifele now missing a few games, a uh, guy like David Gustafson, who I think many thought might be the fourth-line center, he's been out now closing in on a month. Um, there's been a lot of movement up the middle. And, you know, I wondered before the game yesterday, Huss, and obviously Velarde didn't play, but I would have liked to potentially see what Gabe Velarde up the middle might have looked like. Um, you know, if, if ever there was a time maybe to do a little experimentation um, to kind of see what, what maybe you have in Velarde as a potential center, I thought this would have been the time, but obviously he's banged up a bit. I do wonder if at some point we do see a look at Gabe Velarde. Um, you know, if Mark Shifley, let's say tomorrow Mark Shifley's still out, but Gabe Velarde's in. Why not try Gabe Velarde with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers just to see what that looks like? Uh, and then you could keep your second line with Nemestikov and and Perfetti. And Adam Lowry could remain on that, that shutdown line that we know he's very effective at with Nino Niederreiter. So I'll be curious to see. Um, I'm still honestly hedging towards Mark Scheifele not playing tomorrow. Because if you're the Jets, I know he would want to play this is not the time to be taking risks. The worst thing that could happen is, you know, you, you bring him back too early and then he aggravates it to the point that it becomes something more long-term. As much as I'm sure the Jets want to win tomorrow and, you know, have a good showing against the Leafs, it, it's the furthest thing from a must-win. Um, the Jets are in a very good position with, with all the points they've racked up. I think you, you try and play it as cautious as you can be, even though the player or players in Velarde's case will probably be pushing to get in. Well, I, yeah, I, the only thing I'll counter to that is that, I mean, Bonus did say that he was a possibility for the Ottawa game after yep. New York Islanders last week. So, I mean, I'm not sure that they haven't maybe done their due diligence and been patient and gave him a couple extra games and, Listen, if he's ready to go, he's ready to go. And he was moving um, he was moving pretty good today from the video that I saw for you know, he didn't seem to be like favoring it. And the fact he was in a regular sweater yeah. suggests that they were comfortable with him taking contact. That's a great sign for sure. Well, and, and I mean, listen, there's a lot of bright lights on the on the club right now, and a lot of people have been kind of like waking up and paying attention to this hockey team over the last yeah. month or so. Um, basically because they had to. Um <laughs> and Shay's been such a big, big part of that, and he won't be in the All-Star game. He's going to get that extended break after the weekend. So I'm hopeful that he'll be in the lineup, but I do know that if he is in the lineup, it'll mean he's 100% and ready to go because, to your point, they are not going to take any undue chances with their number one center. Um, can, we, uh, can we, by the way, just for a second, can we talk about that big spotlight? I hate to dump over another media outlet, but watching the Jets game last night on Sportsnet, it's as if some of these people, and maybe they maybe they haven't watched a Jets game this year. Legitimately, I would say that's likely. So, I mean, everything from, like at one point, I think the, the intro to a segment, could the Jets be buyers at the trade deadline? Well, they're not going to be sellers. Like, 
it's of course they could be buyers. They're they're the number one team in the league prior to the loss last night. What else would they be? I guess you could argue might they stand pat, but it just seemed like a really it seemed like the kind of question you ask about a team that's like towing the line between contender and pretender. Could they be buyers? Um, and then Huss, what was with this suggestion? Was it Justin Williams who suggested? That they would consider, might they consider trading Lauren Bressois? Yes, it was Justin Williams, and he was on one last night. Um, well, he like, also suggest he also suggested that Dylan DeMello embellished the slash uh, from David Pasternak, right? And I believe he also suggested that Nikolai Ehlers, and look, Nikolai Ehlers, he does have a rep sometimes, and maybe. Um, maybe some theatrics that that was a wicked slash that he took. There was no embellishment to that. It was a clear penalty. Um, but the, why would the number like, so you have Lauren Brassois, you have arguably one of the best backups in the league, a great insurance policy. Should something happen to Connor Hellebuck? If you're the jets and you're thinking we're all in this year, what in the world would possess a team to even consider getting rid of its insurance policy unless they had something like a third stringer who was absolutely knocking on the door and could step in and be just as effective? The Jets don't have that. Look at the goaltending situation on the Manitoba Moose right now. The Moose are struggling big time. Their goaltending has not been great. Uh, you know, that would be a fireable offense. And I get the idea that, well, you know, maybe some team would blow you away with an offer you couldn't refuse. Well, what's that offer going to be? A, a, a really high draft pick? A really good young prospect that could help you in a few years from now? The Jets aren't thinking, nor should they be thinking of a few years from now. They should be thinking about the here and now. And the here and now is they have a terrific one-two punch in net. Why would you do anything to potentially disrupt that? It was complete insanity. And, you know, Mike um, Williams, and I think that he may have been sort of like, I don't think he's done that very often before. That might have even been his first full time. Um, you right. know, they know all the big guys are getting ready for the Leafs on the weekend. So for Monday, <laughs> we'll let you guys do this six-hour shift. I'd love, love Danson Carter. I think he's awesome. And Luke Gadzik has some interesting things to say as well. Williams, like they were in his ear. It was quite clear. The producers are telling him some things and then they ask him a question and he answers an entirely different question. Like just was simply not listening to the other guys, which is important when you're doing a discussion program. But it was not it was not a clutch game seven like performance from <laughs> Justin Williams. No, it reminded me. I mean, you know, you know, you're out at the bar, whatever, and the Jets are on and some guy that obviously has not watched the team at all just starts firing a bunch of takes that you realize like, you know, what planet are you on? Like that's sort of what I was yeah. feeling last night. Uh, the one, one thing that was interesting, and this came from Gadzik because again, you know, we're talking about centers and you just hear Sean Monahan being out there. I know they would love his, um, his um, excellence in the face-off circle. That's something that the jets have really been lacking. And I know that's important to Rick bonus, but I mean, the thought that, you know, the Habs are going to get, and this is obviously floated out by Montreal, that the Flabs, uh, Habs are going to get a first-round pick. Yeah. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> Love it. Um, that they're going to get a first-round pick for Sean Monaghan? I mean, no way. Uh, listen, that's, that's I'm out. Like, could that guy be a depth player and come in and potentially play a role? Maybe, yeah. 
Um, but, I mean, the cost of that is out. Elias Lindholm is the guy that we've heard of over and over again. But Gadzik, Gadzik brought up Adam Henrique. Yeah. And Adam Henrique, like, he's 33 years old. He's got the expiring contract, which it, to me, this conversation is very different, Mike, than what we've had in the past as they've sort of tried to build the team. I mean, I, I don't think that getting guys with a big amount of term and a large cap hit actually works very well for the Winnipeg Jets. If anything, considering the younger players, contracts are going to need to be added in the next couple of years. Like, yeah. I think the Jets have a future that involves a few ELCs. So I'm not sure that they'd be keen on bringing a guy in that's going to be holding down a top six spot for a long time. And that's why Henrique, to me, is actually a bit of an intriguing player in that you know, he certainly played in the playoffs before. He's on a languishing Ducks team right now. I think he's I mean, just pulled this up. He's got 14 goals and 14 assists so far um, and somehow has an even plus-minus rating on a team that <laughs> looks like the leaderboard at uh, the Amex on the up. weekend. Um so, I mean, what do you think about him? Or, I mean, players that we haven't heard. I mean, again, we've talked a lot about Monaghan and, Lind- and the Lindholm because they're UFAs, Canadian teams. They get mentioned quite a bit. Um, but, I mean, I think we agree that that center position is a place they just could really use an upgrade. And it's there in spades when Mark Scheifele's not in the lineup. For sure. And I think that's what maybe this last little stretch has shown to Kevin Shoveldayoff and company. Like, this is no knock at all against Vlad Nemestikov. I think we would all agree Vlad Nemestikov has been a revelation. Um, uh, uh, he's, he's done a more than capable job of kind of holding down that spot for really long stretches of this season. But again, Mark Shifley gets hurt and all of a sudden now, you know, you're moving Adam Lowry to out of the, what I would say is, is his, his position of strength. And Adam Lowry has done a very nice job uh, playing up in the lineup, but I think you're also weakening yourself when it comes to maybe that shutdown role that you like to to have Lowry out in. And then again, a guy like Dominic Toninato really has stepped up here and 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 had a nice showing. I just think though that the Jets have been exposed a little bit with Mark Shifley being out and. You know, there was certainly a debate that that's a position of need, even when Mark Shifley is completely healthy. That's why I go back to the idea of of at least looking at Gabe Velarde there just to see what that looks like. Because what if Gabe Velarde just makes a, a seamless, you know, smooth, effective transition? And then maybe maybe Shifley and Velarde are your top two centers. If that now I get that they maybe want to keep you know, Connor and Velarde and Shifley together. Um, but but to me, be- between now and the trade deadline, March 8th, I wouldn't mind seeing what Gabe Velarde looks like there, um, just to see if maybe you've got a bit of a solution or at least a stopgap in-house beyond what you already have. Um, either way, either way, I say it's a good thing to, to try out just to see how things yeah. work, get him, because circumstances might dictate that you have to go that way um, sure. at, at some point this season. And on the other side of it, Mike, if you have some comfort that Velarde can play in the middle with, you know, the other top players that the Winnipeg Jets have, I think it also adds way more flexibility for what Dayoff can be looking at when it comes to forwards. Like, as it stands right now, if that's not the case, I think they really have to target a center. Agreed. If all of a sudden... 
you've got Velarde going in and being effective in the middle, and you can get a guy that maybe plays mostly on the wing but has a center in in the toolbox. Yeah. Like I think it kind of opens up the number of players that the Jets can consider, um, and that might allow you to get better value for the deal and a better fit for the team overall. Agreed. And you know, I think if you look around the 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 pricey the prices on the free agent market, typically you're going to pay more for a center than you are for a winger. Now there's exceptions, of course, but a centerman tends to carry a bigger price. Going back to your original question, Huss, I, I agree with you that perhaps a rental as opposed to someone with term uh, and, and that there has been a shift in thinking because the Jets, they now have a lot of pieces locked up, you know, beyond the current season, you know, whether it's Nemestikov or Niederreiter, um, Ayafalo is still under term, right? Like they've got Kapari now. That depth that they've added also carries term with it. It's not short-term depth, it's long-term depth. And as you say, they're going to need some money here down the road to pay the likes of of Cole Perfetti, a, a, a pending RFA. Um, so yeah, I mean, when, when, you, when you talk about what they might be looking at, a guy like Henrique, who, as you say, he's, he's experienced from all accounts I've heard of Adam Henrique, just a terrific all-around guy. Um, I don't think there'd be any issue him fitting the culture that the Jets have built. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's an important thing. Rick Bonus talked a little bit about that last week. The Jets have a very good thing going. You obviously want to be careful not to disrupt that in a way. I think you want to reward this group for what they've done. You want to give them all the tools that you can in the toolbox, but you want to make sure they're the right tools um, for the job. And so everything I've heard about Adam Henrique, you know, quality character human being, obviously still a very effective player. Um, are his numbers inflated a bit because he's on a weak team and maybe he's playing an elevated role? Sure. Um, but I think the price for an Adam Henrique uh, compared to maybe what the Canadians think they're going to get for Sean Monaghan, like I like Sean Monaghan. I think you know, there's some value there. I absolutely would not be paying a first-round draft pick if the Montreal Canadiens think they're going to get that. Good luck to them. Maybe they will. Maybe there'll be a team that gets desperate. Um, <laughs> I don't think the Jets would be that team that does that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you're the Jets and Gabe Velarde could potentially be an option, then you can look for the BPA, as they say, the best player available, whether it's a winger or a centerman or a mix of both. Um, you know, and it'll be a really interesting stretch here. Like the, the Jets just have these two games left. Uh, then they get the break. And lo and behold, Haas, when we come back out of the player break, we're talking about like just over four weeks to the trade deadline. I, I think talk is really going to pick up kind of post all-star break. And you can really start to maybe hone in on who are the, who are the sellers out there? What are they selling? And exactly what, what do the Jets need? Well, I mean, I think Anaheim, we don't need to There's wait. We can put yeah. Anaheim in the <laughs> seller's category. And for a guy like Henrique, who's on the last year of his deal uh, at about 5.8, I believe, I think he'd also be a guy, to be honest, Mike, that, you know, on a short-term basis would probably jump at the opportunity to get in here with Winnipeg. I mean, he has, like, his rookie season, he had 51 points, played 24 playoff games in that run to the cup final with New Jersey. Yeah. Since then, he's played four playoff games for the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, it's been hungry. a long time. Like he's Very had, hungry. he's had tea times booked in the second week of <laughs> April for the better part of the last decade. And um, 
you know, a guy like that coming into a team that already has their structure, has their successful players. I mean, it's a great opportunity, especially for guys at that point in their career where they can still play, Yeah, but they need to make the most of, of, of every chance. I know there's been a couple other uh, other comments of uh, and Brock Nelson in New York would be a guy that I would be all over. Now I we'll like see. Brock Nelson a lot. Yeah, you know what? They just you know fired Lambert and added Patrick Roy. Lou Lamarillo. I don't think is thinking of selling right now. If anything, they're looking at pushing forward and being part of the playoffs. But this does get back to our conversation about well, what happens after this year? I mean, if you pull the Jets cap friendly up, every one of their forwards has a contract for next year yes and that's without talking about is a Rucker McGrory in the mix I mean potentially a Brad Lambert a Chibrikov I mean you've got some young players that you know if they're not traded and uh, potentially at the deadline you know would be looking at opportunity yeah. um, the only one that doesn't have a deal is Cole Perfetti he of course is an RFA without arbitration so he will get a deal whether it's a bridge deal or a longer longer term deal that's another conversation but, you know, if I'm Shevel Dayoff, knowing the way my roster looks, I mean, listen, if you get a guy that you think can put you over the top that has another year on his deal, you sure. do it and figure it out later. I'm not saying that this is a huge thing. But back to the original point, I think the Jets are far more into and interested in potential rental players for this deadline as opposed to any of the deadlines before. And it sort of brings me back to the blue line if we're thinking of an ad. I know there's a lot of talk about Jacob Chikorin, who has another uh, another one, although I, his rep in Winnipeg may have taken a hit at the expense of Nikolai Ehlers in overtime <laughs> uh, on the weekend. He was in the, the wrong spot on a highlight reel play that's been over and over played for Winnipeg Jet fans. But to me, I mean, Chris Tanev, would be such a perfect fit for the Winnipeg Jets on the blue line. A guy that could come in, play big, hard, top six minutes in the playoffs, and you don't have a commitment beyond the season, although I'm sure they love to keep him around. But, you know, when you think about Dylan, uh, Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello, who I think the team would love to keep around, the other top four are there. And then you've got Stanley, Chisholm, Billy Hanela. I mean, all of these guys, not to mention Elias Salmonson next year. I mean, you can't be dressing 10 defensemen for every game right now. Yeah, and the, the thing that will be interesting about Tanev is because he has, I would say, his his set of tools is um, is pretty unique, right, in, in terms of the rugged two-way style he plays. There's some offense there for sure, a lot of grit, high character, shot blocker, penalty killer. You wonder if there's going to be a bidding war for a Chris Tanev, maybe a little more than than some of the other players on the market. And if there is a bidding war, like how, how high are the bids going to go and what would the Jets be willing to, to pay? You know, it, it's interesting. One development earlier this week, I think that's, that's worth mentioning, Huss, a guy like Chaz Lucius just got shut down again for the season. And there's a, there's a young first rounder who just cannot stay healthy. He's had nothing but injuries uh, follow him around. And I mentioned Chaz Lucius just because if we're talking about a potential, you know, trade chip or an asset that the Jets might have been willing to to part with, uh, suddenly that asset is is greatly diminished, right? And, you know, if I'm the Jets, I, I, I think they would be loath to part with a Brad Lambert. You would have to be really 
offering something significant. Brad Lambert's having a really nice season. He's going to the All-Star game in the AHL. They're developing him as a center now, as a pro. And to me, Huss, Rucker McGroarty, like if anybody even asks about Rucker McGroarty, Kevin Chevalier should just be hanging up the phone. Except if it's Kyle Dubas. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, shout out to Hammer for uh, that great conversation yes. piece that he dropped. That's uh, that's a non-starter uh, with Rucker McGrody. So, but I mean, the Jets do have some other pieces, of course, and they do have their first-round draft pick. They also have that Montreal pick, which is worth mentioning. That second rounder in the Dubois trade, which, given where the Habs are, is going to be like, you know, a really late first rounder. Like that could be a top ten pick in the second yeah, round it's probably going to be around 40th overall which sure. is which is so there's some value there now the the draft generally isn't regarded to be as deep this summer as it was last year but the jets have some pieces to play with for sure um and to your original point i think given where the jets are right now given where they are going forward with so many players under contract they can cast an extremely wide net they don't have to be super picky um, and, and so that can include players on expiring deals as pure rentals, which maybe wouldn't have been something that, that the Jets were as interested in in the past uh, because there was so much uncertainty about a lot of their own core players. That uncertainty is gone. Um, the, the winger versus center thing is interesting. And again, that's why I'd like some clarity on whether Gabe Velarde could, could be there and, and be effective there. Uh, and then the blue line for sure, which already is quite crowded here in Winnipeg. Uh, and Hus, you know, it's worth noting if if and when the Jets activate Mark Shifley, if that's tomorrow, and David Gustafson, like I believe David Gustafson has is probably ready to go too. They're just not activating him because as soon as you activate one or both of Shifley and Gustafson, one or two players have to go. There is no room at the inn right now. And whether it's Chisholm, Stanley, Toninato, Fialbi, Gustafson himself, those guys all need waivers. And if you're the Chicago Blackhawks who are looking for warm bodies these days to fill out a lineup, like there's got to be some fear if you're the Jets that you're going to lose a piece or two. And to go back to how we started this conversation, if you're the Jets and you got Shifley, and I know he wants to get in, how much does punting this down the road a little further as far as possible to make a lineup decision and and you know could the Jets kick this all the way down to after the all-star break by just maintaining the status quo for these next two games and then they'll see if everyone gets out of them healthy and then make a decision I do wonder how much that's playing into things well you know we talked about that last week I mean do they decide to potentially consider you know putting a Declan Chisholm or Logan Stanley on waivers and seeing what happens I think Axel's probably the first guy to go we just saw him come out of the lineup first Toninato has changed the conversation around him though and and like whatever about what we say and what fans say it's very clear that Rick Bonus trusts him. He's playing more and more as guys have gone out of the lineup, and he's playing ahead of Kapari right now. Now, yeah. Kapari as an asset is probably something that they're more concerned about losing. A young first-rounder, he's going to get picked up. Someone's going to give him a chance. Maybe that's not the same case with Dominic Toninato, but the way the team is constructed right now, um, and even this includes if David Gustafson comes back, I mean, he's played well enough that... You know, there's a, probably a decision to be made 
when it comes to the head coach as to who he wants in the lineup. But the organizations put a lot into these young players, and I think they certainly don't want them to go. It's going to be I mean, that is going to be something we'll look at specifically tomorrow. And if it's one, it's probably Axel. But that second activation, I think, does make things somewhat problematic, and uh, just all part of the uh, the roster focus we'll have over the course of the next week. Mike, what do you got cooking in the freep this week? Well, I'm having a fairly uh, low-key week to start anyways because Kenny's on the road. So uh, my boss, Jay Bell, has been kind enough to give me a few days off, sort of like some bank days owing, if you will. I'll be back at her when the Jets return to town on Thursday and, uh, of course, uh, covering the uh, the big game on Saturday night. Uh, and uh, then we'll uh, head into the All-Star break working on a bit of a project uh, next week. Uh, looking forward to sharing that with readers. But uh, yeah, kind of a slow start to the week. Enjoying the uh, the nice weather. Both both the dogs, Piper and Bodie, uh, they are anxious to go for a bit of a walk here. So I think we'll be heading out for that shortly. Us. Beautiful. Get outside, buddy. Enjoy it. It's getting nice and it's going to stay nice for the next little while uh, or so they say. Have a good one. Thanks for doing this. You bet. Take care. Have a great week. All right. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Um, we're going to get ready for Seabear season in just a minute. Schedule out today. We're going to bring on the coach, Mike Taylor. Uh, but a big cheers to our friends at Little Brown Jug. I'm predicting record sales of generics and 1919s on Saturday night at Canada Life Center. Of course, Little Brown Jug's now an official partner of the Winnipeg Jets. You can get Winnipeg's favorite local beer at Canada Life Center in Craft Beer Corner up in Section 310 in the Upper Bowl and in Craft Beer Corner downstairs in the old near where the old Moxie's was in Section 126. And don't forget, Generic now on sale, $19.99 for the eight-pack of Tall Boys available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts or any beer store where they sell great beer. Check them out online as well, littlebrownjug.ca with local delivery options. Speaking of that game on Saturday night, Jets are going to be wearing... The 48s, the New Jersey uh, commemorating the RCAF team. Um, I can't wait to see them. They, they look great the first time out. This, uh, I believe, will be our first chance to see Connor Hellebuck wearing his special pads and special kit. If you want to get a 48 or any other Jets merch in time for Saturday or the rest of the season, you know where to go. Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway, thousands of pieces of Jets merch, tons that you won't find anywhere else. In addition to a great bomber section, tons of NFL gear, hockey equipment, snowboards, boots, bindings, bikes that you can ride in the snow. Listen, you really have to see it to believe it. 40,000 square feet of the best in sports, merchandise, licensed team apparel, and lots of cool stuff on the King Skate Snow and Surf side. Pop by and see them, 750 Pemina Highway, and follow them on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, no Jets tonight, but a big slate of games in the NHL, nine in total. Maybe it's a good night to uh, get outside and head over to your local Boston Pizza, enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. Certainly tomorrow night will be that night. And hey, any night if you're staying at home, order online, bostonpizza.com, to uh, get it hot and fresh to your door. All right. We'll get to the cool bet lines on those nine games tonight in the National Hockey League in a minute. But first off, let's uh, look ahead to year two of the Winnipeg Sea Bears. The schedule has just been announced in the last hour. And to talk about it, we welcome in the coach, Mike Taylor. Coach, what's going on? How are you? 
Everything's great, Hustler. Can't wait to get back in the city, get back in the CEBL season. So exciting news with the schedule coming out. And, uh, yeah, really a lot to look forward to sports-wise this summer. Mike Taylor joining us, of course, the head coach of the Winnipeg Sea Bears. Mike, um, I mean, first off, it was such a magical first season. How's the offseason been for you so far? Offseason's been great. Um, you know, I think the big challenge last summer was bringing everything together in a short time. There were a lot of unknowns. Well, this year we, we've kind of have that year of experience under our belt. We've had the opportunity to uh, see what we've done, uh, try to improve it, um, try to streamline it and get better in, in a lot of areas. Uh, so I think this is a big chance for us to take some steps forward. We're, we're aiming for that. Um, but I've really enjoyed, you know, all of the, the communication, all the recruiting. Um, we've been very active and we hope to put together another great team to have another great, great season in, in Winnipeg this summer. I mean, the first season was so special. I mean, uh, as the crowds grew, more and more people got exposed to the Seabears product and uh, and got hooked, um, setting records for the CBL. Uh, I know you're focused on season two right now, but, you know, once you got back home a little bit, did you have a chance to, to kind of go back in and just um, soak in everything that uh, your team and the organization accomplished? Because I think it exceeded most people's expectations. I'm not sure about yours personally. Well, I would agree with that. Um, yes, very much thankful, uh, very much appreciative. Uh, the good people involved, you know, David Asper's vision uh, brought, you know, it to life, uh, created opportunities for many people and opportunities in the city. Uh, the response from the city of Winnipeg was something special. Uh, obviously, you talked about all the um, records of crowds and numbers and things like this, but there was a lot of hard work from many people in the organization that all came together at different levels. <clears throat> I've said it before, the basketball side will get a lot of attention and a lot of credit because we're out there on the court, you know, people come to watch the games. And, but I think that the, the uh, you know, front office with Jason and everybody working there, they did a great job with the fan experience. And I just think we clicked with the city. Uh, so the, the goal, we set the bar pretty high. The goal is now not to just relax and feel good about it. The goal is to create, you know, consistency. Uh, we want to be a, a consistent winner. We want to sustain that first season success and build on it and improve. Uh, we're working very hard to, you know, bring some key players back. We're working very hard to try to upgrade the team in certain ways. Um, and then it's a hustle, you know, you, you just get to, to training camp, you put together the best roster and team you can and, I think the one thing about Winnipeg is they respect effort. Winnipeg as a city loves uh, a team that's going to give effort and play with heart. And you can see our Bears did that last summer. And this is the type of team we want to have again this summer is a team that plays well together, plays very hard all the time, uh, and gives the city something to be proud of. Mike, I'm sure that uh, everyone uh, involved in the organization that came in, um, you know, was excited, but didn't really know what to expect. What Once the season was completed and everyone went their separate ways, like, what were the takeaways from the players for the first year of Seabears basketball here in Winnipeg? Well, I would like to think that the takeaways were they had a great summer. Um, I think it starts with a, you know, connection between the front office, the management, the ownership, <clears throat> and us as a coaching staff. We want it to be a great player experience in Winnipeg. Uh, we want them to feel like they can come in and focus on their basketball, uh, develop their game, and take their game to other opportunities and, and make the next steps in their career. And I feel like the way the city treated the players and treated us and, and received us and supported us gave them just so much energy and such a special feeling. 
Uh, and this is kind of the thing we want to build on. We want to try to build on that connection with the city. Uh, we want to continue that great first class player experience. Uh, and again, you know, just keep building the organization as, hey, this is a place, a destination that players want to come play in the summer to develop and, and make those next steps. Now, we'll get into the schedule with the uh, opening game, home opener, marketing your calendars right now, folks, May 24th down at Canada Life Center. Uh, I imagine now uh, for you back in Jacksonville and uh, the rest of the staff working hard to put together year two of Bears basketball. Give us a little uh, uh, peek behind the scenes as to what's happening right now and uh, how things are coming <laughs> along, putting together the squad. Yeah, I think that, you know, we have a, a really good structure in terms of the way we're operating. Uh, our goal is, you know, to continue with some continuity with some of the players from last season that uh, fans can have some identification with the team. Um, obviously, you know, key guys, Chad Posthumous, hometown guy, Simon Hildebrand, Winnipeg guy at the University of Manitoba, U Sport Player of the Year, uh, you know, Teddy Allen, MVP. You know, we're trying to bring back certain players that will give that, you know, the fans familiarity like, hey, I remember this guy from last year. I enjoyed watching these guys play. Here's some hometown players. Uh, our our methodology, we're, we're trying to fill the Canadian spots on the roster first, uh, and then we'll try to balance some really impactful import players around them. Uh, it's at the point where we don't want to get into too many details uh, about the players that we're involved with. Um, but, you know, we've we've really worked hard at our recruiting at this point. I think we're involved with some very good Canadian players that can help upgrade our team, upgrade our roster. We want to sign those key guys back, certain key guys back. Um, and then, you know, again, like, for example, last weekend, you know, David Asper, Jason you know, Smith and I were in Las Vegas uh, watching some G League basketball uh, meeting with some players that, that we felt like, hey, these guys can be impact players for us this summer. Uh, so, again, if there's opportunities to get on the road and go see a player, we're ready to do that. We're ready to, you know, have these individual workouts and go to some events and games to, to see people play. Um, at the same time, uh, we're continuing to look at the youth sport players. Uh, we've scouted a lot of the Canadian colleges and university basketball you know, fortunately, we've got obviously Ryan Thompson at Lakehead, Mike Rainbow at Winnipeg. These guys are really plugged in and can help us get, you know, top players like a Simon Hildebrand, a Tyler Sagal that can help contribute and, and help our team. And then the last part of our organizational depth, we want to continue to build on that relationship with the University of Winnipeg, the University of Manitoba, and get these young U-sport players experience with our practice squad and, and um, you know, just training with the Sea Bears and continuing to build that connection in that way with the city. So I, I feel like we're in a great place right now. We're involved with some really good players. Um, and then, it, like I said, it's just a hustle to bring it all together. Last year, it came together quickly at the end, and, and we hope we can bring it together for another really good roster and really good team this summer. You mentioned Simon Hildebrand. Saw he the draw. He dropped forty one uh, in a game on the weekend, and uh, Kirby's Bison squad looking pretty good this year. So uh, it's great for fans to be able to kind of follow that. I think there's probably a little more attention on both the college teams in town because of uh, you know player involvement with the club last year. I would imagine, Mike, from a recruiting perspective, it's a very different story this year, having had the success that you had both on the court and in the stands. I'm. Um, how much of the support of Winnipeg and the environment that you and your team played in 
Uh, how much of that helps you when you're having conversations with people that might not be as familiar with the CEBL or Winnipeg? Well, it's a big deal. I can tell you from a, a phone call yesterday with a player that we're talking with, uh, he's currently playing overseas, playing well. Um, you know, he said, hey, I'm if I play in the CBL, I've told my agents, I've told my, my coaches, I want to play in one place. That's Winnipeg. Um, and this is a guy who played for a different team this past summer. Um, you know, I think that the, the whole atmosphere, the, the crowd, the facility, um, everything just kind of came together and really gave a great impression. Um, I think that it's a destination for players. Uh, and, and again, we've treated people in the right way uh, with that whole player experience that make players say, Hey, you know, if I have the opportunity to go, I want to try to go play in Winnipeg. And uh, last year where there were the unknowns and like, Hey, Mike, that sounds really nice. You know, I love what you're saying to me, but you got to, uh, you know, show me. Uh, now we have the opportunity. We've, we've put together a great recruiting video that we've sent out to some players and, and some key people. Um, you know, we've put together a really good little recruiting package for guys. Uh, and again, I think we've made a great impression. Uh, so we're doing our very best to try to put together a, a great roster and hopefully we'll come together and, and the fans will, you know, respond to the team in the same way. And it'll be, uh, you know, something that we all feel like, hey, we were building on uh, year one and we're getting better and taking it to the next level in year two. Mike, this is a more a general question because, I mean, we'll see what the team looks like when uh, we get to the, the stadium on uh, May 24th to uh, kick off the home portion of the season. Um, but, you know, in leagues like this, it, it sort of changes from season to season as to how much player turnover there is. Um, in the Bell in general and with the Seabears, like how different will this team look? I mean, do you, do you expect to have a few returnees outside of the CEBL players like Simon? Well, we hope that we can, um, you know, the league as it, as it is with the timing, you know, sometimes players are playing overseas because that's important for their careers. Um, you know, you can't really just rely on the CEBL at this point. Um, so guys are, you know, for example, Jelani's playing in Belgium, Teddy's playing in England. Um, you know, Shane is, is overseas in Qatar. Uh, we've got a handful of guys that are playing overseas our players and the players that we're recruiting, uh, sometimes they're involved with leagues that will go into June or, or into the CEBL summer. So there that impacts the availability. Maybe there's a player who says, man, I'm worn out or he's got a two year contract and his team won't let him play. So they say, hey, I'm going to pass on it this summer. Another player may have some personal situation like I'm getting I'm going to have a wedding or there's something going on in my family. So there's a lot of reasons uh, that you kind of have to manage and have to juggle with the player personnel. Uh, but I think, you know, you can find guys that, you know, fit that time, time of the season that fit that time of their career. Uh, and you can kind of put together a team that for me, the important thing is that guys are here, that guys play, you know, you don't want to have guys coming in and out all summer. You don't want to try to, you know, build up the, uh, just sign guys for the last five games just for the playoffs. I think that's a, a mistake that a lot of other teams will make. You know, our team last year, we had one roster move and tried to keep everyone together until EJ left us at the end. Um, for me, you know, you try to identify the players who are committed. You try to identify the players who it fits. Um, and when you can have some continuity, that's a great thing. But the nature of it is it's, you know, you have to juggle a lot of things and, and be ready for some change. Uh, I'll imagine uh, from a recruiting perspective, um, 
there's nothing like positive word of mouth from players that have been here before. And I, I imagine that's something that is, uh, will be helping you over the course of the next couple months, whether guys are able to come back or doing other things from last year's squad. Without a doubt. And I want to say, you know, last year, Chad Postum has played such a key role in terms of contacting friends and contacting people and players in the league. And it, like he he ran into it like me. He was like, hey, you know, yeah, Chad, that story sounds good. Mike, that story sounds good. Now there's the the whole player experience, you know, quality facilities, quality living situation, great support in the city. Um, just the whole all the way around. And I think, you know, a guy like Chad that's now able to, you know, pick up the phone and and make a call to a team, uh, you know, a colleague that he's played with or somebody he knows. Uh, I think the reception has been really, really positive uh, from our coaching staff wise, from the players in the league that are contacting and communicating with each other. Um, I think just just everything is so positive about Winnipeg. And that's just a great thing. It makes me very happy. You know, even that the, the impact of the Sea Bears that, you know, boys and girls in basketball has picked up 23% in, in Manitoba. I mean, the Sea Bear effect has been so positive in so many ways. And I'm just really thankful and proud to be a part of it. We hope that we can take it to the next level in year two. There's definitely um, a positive vibe and a positive feeling in terms of that word of mouth among people. Sea Bears coach Mike Taylor with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Here are the details on the Sked fans. Uh, home openers May 24th. It's a 10 week schedule, 10 games at home, 10 on the road. You got six weekend games, four during the week. Uh, and it wraps up uh, for the last regular season home game on July 23rd. I mean, you see the names. We don't really know what the teams are going to look like. Anything stand out from the schedule to you, Mike? Or uh, when you get that, what's the first thing that a head coach does? Well, I think you always look at the schedule and you're always thinking like, ooh, this one's going to be tough. Or, oh, this travel is going to be tough. You're always kind of looking at it in a, in a I don't want to say skeptical way, but you look at the challenges of it first. And, you know, but I think it's always a good thing when there's that little bit of uh, – uh, feeling like, man, we got to get to work. We got to get to work, you know? Uh, so it's a motivational point. Um, I think we've got a lot of great home games in the middle of the season. Um, so I think that can be great for fans. Uh, I think it can be great for the players. There's so much travel and so much in and out all the time that gives us a little bit of stability in the city. Um, you know, again, the, to me, the point is to get the team right now, get the team right in the preseason and the buildup. And, and when you do that, then the rest of it takes care of itself in a lot of ways. Uh, but, you know, we respect the schedule. I think, you know, I, a lot of fans didn't get a chance to see Scarborough. We played them on the road last year. Scarborough, Ottawa now coming out to Winnipeg. Uh, we've got the natural rivalry with Saskatchewan, um, you know, kind of firing up some of those uh, uh, rivalry, you know, like the Blue Bombers and uh, Riders rivalry that's uh, naturally there. So, um, I, again, I like those games with with you know, the, the Rattlers. Um, and again, I just really think that we, we've got some great games in our conference. Uh, you know, obviously Calgary had a great year last year. Uh, my personal ties with Vancouver. Um, and then also to Edmonton, you know, uh, there's that, that feeling like, Hey, let's get these guys back for the way the season ended. So a um, lot of things to look forward to for fans, a lot of things to look forward to for our team. And, and we're really excited about the schedule coming out today and, and getting plans ahead for the summer. Sea Bears head coach Mike Taylor with us. Uh, you can uh, find out more on season tickets and flex packs right now. The single game tickets will go on sale in April. Um, Mike, just a quick question on uh, your thoughts on 
just the overall health and momentum the CEBL as a league has going into this upcoming season. Yeah, I love it. I'm such a big fan of the CEBL. It's been so much fun to be a part of for the last two years, first in Vancouver and now next level in Winnipeg. Absolutely love Winnipeg and what we've done in the market. I think David Asper and and everyone that we've we've worked with within our organization, we've helped raise the bar. It's it's challenged, uh, I think, a lot of other uh, teams and organizations in the league. And now what do we see? We see like-minded ownership in Calgary going into the Saddle Dome. We see Edmonton trying to get into the Rogers Center. Um, I feel like the league is making the next steps. Uh, They're intelligently looking at expansion. Um, So whether that's more teams, more games, I think they'll pick those spots at the right time. Remember, the league is only five years old. Uh, So I really love the direction it's going. Uh, there's certain inherent uh, parts that are improved. Uh, you know, we're able to pay the players a little bit more this summer. The salary cap is up a little bit. So I think that all in all, on the floor, off the floor, there's a lot of positive momentum about the CEBL. And the best thing for teams and organizations to do is focus on yourselves. Try to get yourselves better. Try to make those next steps. You know, as I said, we set the bar high as an expansion team. It was a dream come true for us last year. Now the challenge is, don't just sit back and relax. You know, let's try to get better. Let's take it to the next step. Let's improve in the areas that we feel we can improve. And every little bit counts. If we can make small steps in, in a lot of different areas, it's going to end up in a big step forward. Uh, and what I like to see is that a lot of the organizations around the league are also pushing themselves, trying to make those steps. When that all comes together, I think the league makes big progress. Mike, uh, cannot wait to get back out there. We had so much fun going to the games last year and seeing this thing grow and uh, cannot wait for year two. Uh, when uh, when did we see the coach back here with boots on the ground in the peg? Yeah, you know, there's there's possibilities that I'll get back in town from this point till uh, training camp. Uh, but last year it was early May that I was back in the city. Our training camp opens May 13th. Um, so that's kind of a, a timeline, early May for me. Uh, you know, what I like about the, the schedule right now, uh, you know, there's the big uh, U sport tournament uh, towards the end of the season at Manitoba coming up. Um, so there's some possibilities I get back into the city then. Um, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, getting back up there. I feel great about Winnipeg. Uh, had such a wonderful personal experience there last summer with all the good people. Um, and I'm very thankful for the support from David and Jason. And, and again, we want to take it to the next level. So uh, a lot to look forward to. It's going to come up quick. We can start signing our protected players February 1st, and then all free agents are available uh, March 2nd. So, you know, this is the – it's coming up to a busy time. We're trying to position ourselves well here over the next couple of weeks. Well, cannot wait to hear about uh, some player moves, uh, bringing players back, new guys, and, of course, keeping an eye on uh, the U Sports players like Simon Hildebrand, who's having another great season in year two with the Manitoba Bisons. Mike, all the best over the next few weeks. I imagine we'll be catching up at some point before the season, but uh, great to have a schedule right now and look forward to year two of Seabears basketball. Have a great one, and thanks for stopping by. Hustler, thank you. We appreciate you and a lot of love to all the Seabear fans in Winnipeg. See you soon. All right, great stuff with Coach Mike Taylor. Appreciate him jumping on and uh, looking forward to year two of the Winnipeg Seabears. Listen, we got to get to the cool bet lines and some interesting breaking news from the National Hockey League, which we'll touch on in just one second. Uh, Do want to thank our great friends 
at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. I know they're getting ready for a big summer coming up. Check out AikensLake.com. Find out more about the world-class Aikens experience and get working on a booking for 2024. As great as the fishing is, the only thing better is the incredible hospitality of the Terrens and the Aikens Lake family. Again, AikensLake.com on all your socials. Aikens, or sorry, Aikens at Aikens Lake on all the socials. AikensLake.com on Twitter. And, uh, you know, probably we're going to resume our It Takes a Community to Play series next week. Um, but don't forget, safe sport in the community um, it is so much imp- so important right now. We're just, we've discussed a number of angles of this going forward. But details and resources are available at sportmanitoba.ca slash safe sport. A great place to spark best practices for sport programs, including the rule of two, training opportunities, as everyone deserves a safe and positive sport experience. And uh, looking forward to uh, our next. We have great feedback on this series so far. And, of course, Sport Manitoba. All these are supported by our friends at Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, Rimbo, we'll get to the lines in a minute because it's a busy day in the National Hockey League. We do got to get this podcast up. But um, just as we were talking to Coach Mike Taylor, the Philadelphia Flyers announcing that goaltender Carter Hart is taking a leave from the club. You want to get that that presser up, uh, the, uh, the 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 tweet up, I guess, that the team just put forward. Um, what's interested interesting about this, and again, there's no details as to um, anything behind the scenes, but simply, this is from Daniel Breer. Carter Hart has requested and been granted an indefinite leave of absence, citing personal reasons. The club will have no further comment of this time. Uh, of course, Urson, who stoned the Jets a couple of weeks ago, he's in net tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, but coming off the heels of Dylan Dubé's personal absence from the Calgary Flames, Remo, a lot of people connecting the dots that both of these individuals were members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team that had the sexual assault scandal. And... Um, not necessarily saying that they are. It could be a coincidence, um, but a lot of people are sort of connecting the dots here and thinking that we may be hearing more um, because that had been in the back. I guess there was a challenge of it. We were supposed to hear about it in the fall. There still has been no official report coming forward, but um, it could be a coincidence. But needless to say, a lot of people are kind of looking at this and wondering whether the next shoe is going to drop from Hockey Canada. Yeah, it was on Sunday that the Flames announced Dylan Dubé on indefinite leave to attend to his mental health is what they said, and um, you wish these guys all the best. However, there is this uh, you know connection between them and Hockey Canada, and see some people on Twitter saying, "Does this mean something is going to happen?" Um, we'll have to wait and wait and see. But uh, that was the news. Yeah, we, just we hadn't heard there. a lot about that. Um, um, at some point there were things going on and hockey Canada was not able to comment on anything publicly. Um, but as Steve Simmons just put forth, 
Carter Hart and Dylan Dubé, both members of Junior Team Canada 2018, have taken leaves from their NHL teams. Might be just a coincidence, unrelated, but it appears as though some sort of ruling on the sexual assault scandal may be coming shortly. And um, that is, um, I mean, obviously huge news in the NHL and something that I think for many of us is sort of long overdue. <clears throat> Um, but some finality on that. I mean, Hockey Canada's had solid change. The entire board's been overturned. There's new people in charge there, um, which I think everyone agreed was very necessary to happen. Um, the one thing that hadn't had is any sort of um, repercussions for the players that were involved in the incident. And again, we don't know that it's Carter Hart or Dylan Dubé, um, but... There's plenty of speculation that, you know, maybe this is an indication that that is coming. Well, obviously, we'll be all over that tomorrow on the program if we have any more information on that. Um, let's get to the games tonight over on the Cool Bet lines for our friends at CoolBet.com. Shout out to P. Greggy. You know, we did the lock shop yesterday. <clears throat> we had a beautiful three-gamer. We had under five and a half in the Jet game. We had Florida to win, and we had Vegas. Vegas blew it against the Devils. Uh, Bruce Cassidy called the Vegas Golden Knights playing like a beer league team last night. And Pete Greggy did a nice little favor for all the lock shoppers that missed out on the partner parlay last night in OT. So we're back at it tonight. We'll let you know about that in just a second. But uh, Dallas is at Detroit. Dallas a minus 155 road favorite. Alex Lyon in net. It's going to be Lyon and Ottinger. Detroit plus 131. Ottawa's in Montreal. Ottawa, the road favorite at minus 138. Lightning and the Flyers. That game basically a pick 'em. As we mentioned, Urson starting for Philly. Minus 110, Philly. Minus 107, Tampa. I do like Tampa in that one. Um, Vegas playing the second end of back to back to take on Patrick Waugh and the Islanders. Vegas plus 132. Islanders minus 156. Capitals are in mini to take on the Wild. The Wild minus 168 favorites. Calgary minus 176 home favorites against the Blues. The Oilers, a massive minus 365 favorite to keep their incredible winning streak going against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Buffalo's favorite on the road in Anaheim. Sabres minus 156. And the Rangers, a massive minus 362 favorite against the Sharks, who got a win last night against the Kings, but now going up against one of the top teams in the East tonight. If you go over to the Cool Bet exclusives, We've cooked up a nice partner parlay. We were an OT goal away from cashing last night. Hopefully we can do it this evening. We've got Ottawa-Montreal over six and a half goals. We've got the Red Wings to win as a home dog against Dallas and Buffalo in Anaheim. That was plus 572 when we built it. The guys have boosted it up to plus 650. And if you want to go in on just an Oilers-specific parlay for tonight, we've got McDavid to score a goal. Bouchard and Nuge both to get a point and the Oilers to win in regulation. That one is plus 425, both under the lock shop partner parlay. And uh quick reminder, if you do bet golf, we were kind of going through this. And at the end of the lock shop, we realized the Farmers Open starts tomorrow. So there are some Farmers Open exclusives as well there. Uh, nice big make the cut parlay, um, the big four versus the field. And um, all your options. You know I'm riding with my guy, Tony Fino. He's played well at the Farmers before. He's at 25 to 1. It's all there at Cool Bet for you. Also, the uh, men's and women's semis and quarters at the Aussie Open. 
And, of course, the NFL lines, just to keep you up to date, haven't really moved since yesterday. Ravens still minus three-and-a-half-point favorites against the uh, against the Chiefs, although the Chiefs' money line is now up to plus 162. Did not think it would get that high. And uh, the Lions are six-and-a-half-point underdogs in Frisco against the Niners. Detroit plus 260 on the money line. And the Niners minus 323. Uh, tomorrow, Remo, Jets back at it in Toronto. Looking forward to the game and looking forward to tomorrow's show. We're looking forward to it, but we got to put a finish on today's show, Huss. And there's only one way we can do that. Here it is. We're raising a banner. <laughs> Rest in peace to the streak. 34 games. It's going up there. We'll remember this forever, but it's time to move on. It was a great while it lasted. We had many good times. Unfortunately, the team cared more about winning than history. So streak. No one will remember, you know, that loss that they lost, but you know, maybe could have lost by one, but everyone will talk about 34 games allowing three goals or fewer for the rest of time. What incredible run. run, incredible yeah. run. Memorialized, memorialized with a banner on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Mm-hmm. Great work on uh, great work on the banner to the WST Art Department. Um, gang, that's going to do it for us. I uh, Yes, Phil said, oh, that's really nice. <laughs> Gregory Liverpool liking it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, it was an incredible run. <clears throat> it was a great streak. Let's start another one tomorrow against the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll be live at 1. Ken Weeb back from the road. Kenny's going to join us tomorrow. Murat's going to jump on on Friday. Uh, we'll look to get someone from the Leafs side of things. Later on this week, we're hoping to have Brian Hayes join us, which should be a lot of fun. And, of course, all the regulars with the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. Gang, have a great one tonight. Enjoy. Get outside. It's gorgeous out after this brutal last week we've had. And... Um, Do whatever you got to do to clear your schedule for tomorrow when the Jets take on the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first end of a home-and-home series. Thanks to Coach Mike Taylor, Carlo Koliakovo, and Mike McIntyre and all of you for jumping by WST today. Have a great afternoon and evening. Shout out to everyone listening on podcast. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube on WST. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.